Some Refreshed episode 5 was recorded before the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Stand by. Here comes your summer refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. Oh my God. You know, this podcast is absolutely amazing. I think a lot of people give me a lot of a lot of flack. It's Beth Twell MBE. Yeah. Loves being MBE, I, you know. Imagine oh, we'll, we'll sort that out for you. Oh, thank you. Put a word in for me. David Seaman. B. Ray Quinn. Or C. He's Googling. Georgie I can Porter. see him. He's looking elsewhere. I'm not. I'm saying. <laughs> I am literally keeping a note of my answer. Ray Quinn's just about Googling, to walk I'd be like, here. Imagine that. I'd be saying it for the Ray's box. Hey, come in. He's, he's got a towel around him. When you say trained personal trainer, I always think that sounds like saying licensed restaurant. I'm like, any restaurant that doesn't have any form of license, I'm not particularly interested in eating it. But yeah, yeah. she is trained. That professional intro. We are joined by Gemma Murner. Gemma, how are you? I'm good. Thank Summer Refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. Please welcome Mr. <laughs> Al Boren. <laughs> You're not in Ireland, are you now? And I'm from Dublin, aren't you? But are you, are you over there? Oh, I'm, I'm in Ireland. I'm, I've been based in Ireland my whole life. So it's just kind mm. of a, it's a back and forth thing over to the UK. Right, okay. Like, you know, you're in Dublin Airport and you're on a flight for 35 minutes, essentially, it's over to Manchester. Manchester. You know, it's not that, it's, yeah, it's not that far away. It's mad. As I always tell you guys, and it's like a shock to you, you must think we're an hour and a half away on a plane. <laughs> Should have seen Manchester last night. I, I got off, a, I just came back from Ibiza last night and I f- took off an Ibiza and it was roasting. I got off and I was like, has this plane just gone round in a circle? I was like... As I got off, it was a disgrace, Manchester. It's so bad at the moment. People were climbing, you know, you know the, the baggage reclaim thing. People were trying to climb through, you know, the little flappy bits to get their bags back to the other That's side of it. Yeah. The other night, I was That's like, just nuts. Thanks for coming on, mate, because uh, no uh, from what we've seen on the socials and, and you being the podcast superstar, Al, we can probably get a few tips <laughs> from you, if nothing. I was thinking <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely, yeah. Um, we'll do a proper setup. What I was going to say then is a mad story. So years ago, we had this guy in our office, a guy called Ant, and he went away to New York uh, yeah. when it was ridiculously cold. It was like, you know, the massive cold snap. Oh, yeah, the cold snap, yeah. Five, six years ago, he was late coming back home. So he was, you know, going to the airport. Then it was too cold to set off. So they were like, right, back to a hotel. And he was bussed to and from for the best part of about four or five days. And they were just like, were just literally unloading bags. And it was yeah. just, they were all over the runway, all over the place. I think Graham knows where this story is I know, I was just thinking, I know how this ends. <laughs> this, so, um, so there was all kinds going on. Anyway, so they all got on the plane. I won't name the airline, even in case this does make an edit, but they got, all got on a plane <laughs> and uh, they were like, look, guys, it's, we, we can't taxi. Like, we're, we're so sorry that, you know, the snow's come back down. But look, we might be able to later or certainly tomorrow, certainly tomorrow morning. Yeah. So you were like, okay, no problem. But anyway, to cut long story short, they end up going back the next morning and there's all kinds going on because they were like, basically, we'll just leave your bags on the plane. There's no one else is going to get on the plane. There's a woman like wailing beyond belief, like something's fucking seriously gone wrong. Okay. And she's just screaming, where's my dog? Where's my dog? And they loaded. (laughs) I know. He'd loaded the plane and obviously not taking anyone's bags off. And the fucking dog froze to death overnight. Just left on the plane. Um, Honestly, I know. So he was like, it was one of their moments. Isn't that unbelievable? Oh my goodness. And the, like the poor woman was just like, and the worst thing was then they had to obviously offload it. So then they're just seeing this like, I know, 
So to make it worse, oh. they're all like, uh, has anyone like, you know, this not go public. No, this it made a press over there. It made it, I think she must have like settled behind the scenes, but My I think goodness. it was so chaotic over there. It was yeah. just such a farce anyway that it was kind of, it just all led into one. Did they um, see it getting, when you said they saw it getting brought, was it oh in, yeah, the, was the, it in the, the cage? The cage was brought up like that, yeah. Well, then it was like, like oh, that's... and it was, it was, it looked like something off Ice Age. Ah, uh, that's horrific. Jeez, what kind of dog was it? What? Well, he he was like it looked like a little like a little dog, like, so it like must a Yorkie been, kind of yeah, yeah so like a yeah. little. So it, it was obviously. I've got a little dog. I feel this. I feel. Imagine, I, I have honestly, a Yorkie too. Our family dog is a Yorkie. She's tiny, you know, like no bigger than say like a Jack Russell. Clearly not loud enough. And I mm. think with all the chaos going on, and they were probably on and off this plane for four or five times, and and that was times the entire of JFK, <laughs> you know, so oh you could imagine God. like what the baggage handlers were going through and stuff, but absolutely. And it was so many stories like that. Well, anyway, uh, what we'll do is we'll do a proper intro for you, pal. Yeah, now. We're uh, seven minutes in. No, we've done a dog test at the start. I'm going to open that window because oh, the sweat oh, yes, is dribbling down. Absolutely, go for it, pal. You actually underestimate this heat. <laughs> My God, it's crazy. <laughs> Hang on, no, sorry, don't worry, buddy. Let me look up how hot it is where you are now. We're going to compare it to Dublin. Oh, it says it's only 21 degrees where you are now. 21 in Dublin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it feels like 35. Yeah, it's not cut out for it, is it? <laughs> Wait until I start doing the impressions. It'd be like I've, I'd just come out of a fucking uh, a waterlog ride in a, <laughs> in a theme park. Wait until you see it now. Direct from Alton Towers. Right, I'll, uh, I'll do the big intro, JC. I'll do the big intro. I'll, do I'll the get big ready intro. on my drums. So it is Summer Refreshed. Uh, we have been blessed with some absolutely brilliant guests during this series run. And one person who was on my hit list right from the very off is <laughs> Al Thorin. He's an impressionist and podcast host. Since 2015, has been doing this full time. He is one of the best impressionists I've ever seen. Ah, uh, pleasure. Absolute pleasure, gents. Um, Al, and also as well, we're going to get this in because, I mean, I'm new to the podcast game. Yeah. Uh, Graham has actually won an award recently, Al. He's won a, oh, um, congrats, a, a podcast oh, award um, for one of his other series, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, but your podcast, Al, you've, you've had some amazing guests and equally some amazing sponsors during your uh, various yeah. podcasts. So you, the one you're doing at the minute is very football related, isn't it, Al? So do, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's it's the Goldmouth podcast, um, basically. Just it's a football related podcast for the fans by the fans. We we shot the first we we sorry we shot the first season. We recorded the first <laughs> season a couple of weeks ago and we finished up kind of towards the end of the season. I'd say we're back around late September, early October. Just kind of you know into the you know a couple of games into the Premier League and at, at the start of the World Cup and then continue on. But uh yeah, it's it's been great so far. We've had some great guests on. We've had Connor Moore on, fellow impressionist. Um, we've had Simon Delaney on, who's a well-known actor in in Ireland and and TV presenter. And we're just kind of getting football fans on. But also, there was the Al Forn podcast before that as well. Yes, the which was one. which was on which was on Zoom. Now that that was a completely different kind of that was a different setup, different production. The guests I had on that were unbelievable. That kept me ticking throughout the. The lockdown as well. All remote uh, as well. All remote. The likes yeah. of Michael Bisping on, Ariel Helwani, uh, Volkanovsky, Andy Cole, David May. Who else did we have on? We Schaefer Bates as well. It was just brilliant. It was great fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. I'd have a, an A4 sheet of paper in front of me with all of the questions and I'd just go 
from from there on, I just tick off each bullet point with the question. I'd, I'd be coy in doing it. People never really noticed it, but that was uh, <laughs> that was how that podcast worked, you know, and I saved the impression. It's how ours works end. as well, Al, to be fair. But it, question it, uh, number yeah. three. But it, but it works, doesn't it? It really does work, you know, and, and once you delve into that subject with, with your guest, you know, they could go on for 50, 15 to 20 minutes talking yeah. about that thing, but it's great. Because you get so much, you get so much meat out of that question, which is fantastic, you know. Especially when people are at home as well, I think. And it's good to be mm. in person, but when you've got someone in the house, like you're in your house now, I presume that's your house. I'm in my house, and the sweat is trickling down me. This <laughs> weather is unbelievable. This day. weather is unbelievable. Listen, it, we, um, as I, I said to you before, we went on, boys. We complain about the heat, and then we complain about the rain. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's I don't know what our ecosystem is just. You know, it's 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 developed for us to just complain about things. <laughs> like the old Peter K classic of, you know, I like it warm, but I don't like it this warm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Your latest podcast is via the Go Loud app, yes, isn't it? Yeah. So that's how you can access that as the season goes on. I have to talk about Man United with you, but I'm just going <sighs> to oh. pause it there. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to let you just cry oh, by the lookout. Yeah, I'll let you because you might want to, you know, wipe the sweat away before you start getting angry sweat. So I'm just going to leave that one there well, for a minute. People want to know the difference between the tears and the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's more tears than sweat at the minute, Al, isn't it? But first off, I just want to say um, congratulations because Al, you've not long got married, have you? Is, uh, is it Alison, yes. your uh, now wife? So congratulations, Alison, my wife. Yeah, we we got married uh, last. Last month, nearly five weeks ago now. Oh, amazing. Um, had our honeymoon. We, we we had a lovely honeymoon. We went away uh, to the Caribbean, the cruise and nice. New York and all that. And we did that with uh, our little daughter and, and her oh. parents came along as well. So it was a lovely family holiday. And um, yeah, we, we had a beautiful day. We really did. It's crazy. It's all over. I mean, I, I you know, preparing for a wedding, It's you're preparing for essentially the biggest moment of your life and it goes by in a flash and it's like, yeah, Wow, that's it. You know, it's it's crazy. But it was a beautiful day. It really was. We enjoyed ourselves. We had great crack. A typical Irish wedding in a sense as nice. well. So yeah, no, it was it was brilliant. Was it just like a family thing or did you have any any big names turn up? <laughs> and, um there there was a big name there. I don't know if you know him. He's he's probably one of the, the most popular radio broadcasters uh, in Ireland. Uh, Joe Duffy is his name. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, he 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 was there. Guy called Rory Stories was there. Uh, there was a few others. Uh, there, uh, there was no no one really from the UK that came over, but a couple yeah. of Irish, well known Irish celebrities there. And um, I know it was. Listen, it was just great. It was great fun. We loved it. During the speech, Al, did anyone sort of, uh, you know, did you do a, I don't know, Denzel Washington just happened to walk in the room for 30 seconds or anything? I, I, or did you well, just kind of well, go, well, do you I, know what, sod this. Well, <laughs> this I is did. my day job. I did because um, my, my father-in-law who, you know, we, we get on like a house on fireworks. We just moan about Man United constantly. But when I first met him, I kind of got De Niro uh, meet the parents vibes off <laughs> when I first met him. Oh, okay. Him. And I kind of got that from him. And, uh, you know, and I think he was watching that movie for inspiration before he met me. And uh, I don't know. I got it for the first the first couple of times I met him. But he was great. <laughs> your family's really like, Let's... important to you, isn't it? Because I saw that your... Isn't your dad your manager? You employ like a few, a few members of your family, don't you? Yeah, well, but my dad... Yeah, my dad kind of still kind of acts as my manager. I... I annoy my dad all the time. I just ring him for advice constantly. Like my dad, he has, he does kind of, he has another job. He works in civil engineering as well, yeah. but he also kind of plays 
depart as my manager as well. Like I am with an agency, yeah. but they'd always, like my dad always kind of, he'd, he'd hop in on a couple of Zoom calls. He doesn't have a bigger role as he did a couple of years ago. Yeah. And he's kind of happy about that because he's kept busy in, in his other job. But me and my dad, the first couple of years when I started off, as you said, Johnny, I started off in 2015. My dad did take the reins from, from, from then on. And we went away to Vegas for the McGregor Mayweather fight. We went yeah. away. To, we, 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 he, like, he got to meet loads of, of, of very famous people that he would have looked up to, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a great experience with him. And he's still, he's very wise, my dad. You know, he's wise when it comes to, to a business sense of things. He can be, he can be a bit bullish, you know. So I, I suppose I need that, you know. He has that kind of no nonsense attitude, which I don't have. Sometimes I'm a bit too nice. So uh, I get that advice from him, but yeah, he's he's still kind of um, doing bits and bobs for myself. But he's kind of yeah, more gives you advice on that. I'd love my yeah. dad to be like my agent. We could do the good cop, bad cop thing. I'd love that. <laughs> no. well, he, yeah, but you don't you don't speak about the times where the two years get stressed with each other and you are killing each other over yeah, the true. phone. <laughs> There's that as quite, well. Was he quite supportive, Al, when you were, you know, very. when it was getting to leaving the clothes shop and stuff? Because that's where uh, you were for, for many a year. Was it a case of just going, yeah. do you know what? Very. Me, just do my it. mother as well. The both yep. of them. Um, the, my mom like would get involved in the videos from, from uh, you know in the early stages of when I started off like she'd constantly get involved we'd be just be doing off the wall crazy videos but she was up for anything as well so I'm very lucky that I have you know two parents that that really did just get behind me from from the get-go yeah. they they kind of supported me all the way you know because it was it is a tough decision when you kind of you leave a job and you're kind of like you know what do I do from here that time it was a risk but if you want to do something you love, you know, take that risk. Take that risk. Listen, there's so many content creators now, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. So there's a lot of people taking that risk and taking that leap in the industry that we're in, you know, and, and it is, it's, it's becoming, of course, it's going to expand. You know, it started off with YouTube and Facebook creators kind of came along. Now with TikTok is the, is the new thing, you know, so take a risk in life at times because it is worth it. Conor McGregor was sort of played a big part in in the, sort of the the success and obviously to get that ball rolling and, and sort of put you on that stage if you like because yeah. what you were doing was fantastic. He really played along with the banter. For anyone who doesn't really know the story, do you want to summarise it? At first, it was like basically I'm going to knock you out, and then did you end up having a did you end up having a no. fight with him? No, no, that that unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, oh. I wish it did. Oh, fortunately, because it might have only gone <laughs> <Yeah>. one way. <laughs> I, wish it it I wish it did and I wish it didn't. Yeah. So, so I wish it didn't because, you know, uh, I don't know what the hell would happen to me in <laughs> that ring. But I wish it did because it would have, it would have been, it would have been kind of a big thing. It would have been great exposure. But, um, I like, you know, I've met Connor on a couple of occasions. He He's very receptive of the impressions. He knows he? it's a bit of crack, but he plays up to his part when he's around me at times as well. You know, he plays that character. Like, he's, he's said it to me, and this is, I've said this to so many people. He says, he's the other ones you do, the ones you do, the ones you do with the actors and all are very good. You know what I mean? I like, I like the actors, I like that. But the one you do with me is absolutely terrible. <laughs> and, you know, that's 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 what he's, he's been saying for years. Like, I think the last time I met him in person was two and a half years ago. I did, the um the pantomime in Dublin, uh, the in the Olympia Panto, and um, I played the part of Prince Charming. I was just going to ask you, you oh, played there, right? <laughs> but uh, it was um, 
we call it St. Stephen's Day, it was Boxing Day. And uh, he brought all of his family because his sister was also in the pantomime with myself. So he brought all his family, his kids, his mom and dad were there. And we met them all after the pantomime and he was lovely. But his mother, his mother ushered me over to him. I said, here he is, here he is, Connor, here's Al, here's Al. I was like, oh, please, Margaret, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and the first thing, he said, get him away from me, will you? Get him away from me. But he was all, he was all a bit of crack. I think he grabbed a toy sword and put it up to me neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all a bit of fun. But that, that impression in particular, that did propel me in a sense, like, because what was it, 2015 when I started doing that impression? 2015 was the year Conor McGregor just was was strapped to a rocket in a sense and um it did wonders for me you know and I, I don't i don't really do the impression as much i do kind of when he's coming back i'll, I'll, I'll do it the odd time but uh yeah like it was at that time i think connor in in 2015 and 2016 like he was just he was on another planet wasn't he you yeah, know and yeah. for us it was like in ireland at that time we uh, we do, we don't have much in Ireland. There's not much we've had like with sporting kind of successes, and we've we've had Italia ninety where we reached the quarterfinals of the World Cup. We've had Katie Taylor winning the the um, the gold in 2012, and most recently beating Amanda Serrano in in Madison Square Garden. But I think that period with McGregor in 2015 and 2016, the country was just hopping. You know, people were taking out credit union loans to fly out to Vegas and New York for his fights. You know, it just once his fights were announced, people were were planning like planning to just get over to America. So it was just it was a crazy time. It really was. Yeah. And he, he was very successful in the fact that, like you say, he tapped into that, the Irish spirit. But like you say, the fact people will rock up. We've both worked in Liverpool and, you know, Graham being a scouser, but it has that sort of thing where yeah. you go, right, someone's oh, going to get you, you, totally behind well, them. You look, you look at the two, look at the two, the two, the two scouts, you know, two Molly scouts now. and um, what's his name? Paddy the Paddy. Mo- Mo- Molly and Paddy. Yeah. I mean, the waves they are making at the moment. Yeah. And, and that's only going to get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. You know, they're two very likeable characters. And, and they've got something that, positive yeah, to say them to as well, I think. They've got some positive message behind what they do as well. It's well like his, you can't disagree with them, could yeah. you? His post-fight interview um, most recently just that it moves me so much. Yeah. You know, and I think the fact that, you know, he was going into this fight and his, his mate had sadly passed away, I think it was a week or a couple of days before his yeah. fight. Like, you know, it, was, it, it moved me in so many ways. It's great that you can have a character like that, that kind of a person, like a human like that, who can kind of make you laugh really in and also really in in an, in an emotional way. Yeah. So they, they yeah. have, they, the two of them have a, have a, an it factor about them, most definitely. I look forward, like I'm, I am, I look forward to following their their career now because it is, it's it's exciting and they, they seem like two great people as well, down to earth. That's yeah. what people want. People want down to earth people, you know being a, a huge sport fan does that kind of make it easier to sort of learn if there is somebody new on the scene in terms of you know if you're following the football or be it the boxing yeah. or the UFC or golf whatever it might be is it sort of easier because it's kind of in your conscious that you're watching it sort of from a from a fan point of view and then do you yeah, just sort of sit yeah. on the sofa during the ad break and just start pretending to be them for a couple of minutes and perfect it is that sort of the yeah. science behind it yeah well it's listen it's it's clicking onto YouTube on my phone and and watching a post match interview with with a certain manager, you know. But the only thing is, I am a bit of a, of a perfectionist when it comes to the impression. I need to make sure that that impression is perfect. For example, Ten Hag, for me, a Dutch version of Pep. 
his tone is very pep and you have to kind of and then you have to bring the accent into it as well you have to kind of fluidly bring those those two kind of elements of the impression together and it's tough like it's even Zlatan Zlatan Ibrahimovic is also like Pep he's a slower version of Pep so of course when I don't like Pep you're talking like that okay because he's very fast you're talking about players you're talking about you know the tiki taka movement of, of how we play but when you talk like Ibrahimovic it's very like this it's very slow because he's a measured man he takes his time with his answers and then we move on to Ten Hag Coach which is very like that. We want Frankie, okay, because it's, it's okay, but players have to talk like that. So you can hear the pep coming in as well. So it's hard. It's, it is hard. <laughs> Who did you try them out on then? You must have like uh, the family. Is it is it your wife? When you sat there on the sofa, do you just like, what's this like? Or do you just sit there on your own, like just doing it? Oh, she's just well used to it at this point. <laughs> she's she's <laughs> like that, yes. <laughs> she has no interest in sport whatsoever. So she does not have a clue who I'm impersonating when it comes to the football. She does not have a clue. <laughs> you know, but she, she likes, obviously the celebrity ones she likes. Like even with my daughter now, my daughter's three and a half years old and I've kind of been looking at doing some of the Peppa Pig impressions, some of the Paw Patrol impressions. You know, I've, I've been doing Grandpa Pig from Peppa Pig. <laughs> and he's also, it's the same voice actor who who, uh, who voices the part of the wise old elf in Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom. So he <laughs> sounds very much like that. And then I, I do Mayor Humdinger from Paw Patrol. So this is the thing now. This is the, this is the party trick for the kids when they come over and visit the house or the, the relations or the nieces and nephews. <laughs> one, of, um, one of my friends, Al, and someone I've known for many years is Mark Silk, which I imagine you'd know Mark Silk. So mm. Mark is an impressionist. Um, yeah. And he's he was the voice of Johnny Bravo, to name a couple of different... Oh, uh, wow. And has done all kinds... He's, he's, I say off his head, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, but when you'd ring Mark up for something, he used to do a lot of radio, mm. um, you know, radio sort of jingles and, and uh, the liners. So, you know, saying whatever it might be, the breakfast show with blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course, yeah. But you'd ring you'd ring him up and he'd answer the phone as one person and he'd put you on hold and then Johnny Bravo <laughs> would come on and then someone would go and get, like, Bob the Builder. He does Bob the Builder US. He's, 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 oh, he's wow, okay, he's, that's amazing crazy like yeah. if you're listening now to, to either yourself or anyone listening to the podcast definitely just google mark silk because uh you, you'll be amazed at just like listening to him for, for two minutes it, it's crazy well, you just be like mark like we've, we've only got your book for an hour mate it's mm. five minutes to go through every voice <laughs> to get to your voice you know um, but it's just he just loves doing it he absolutely loves doing it and um when you don't do Jose Mourinho, my God, it is just <laughs> superb. I can't say how, if, if I was one of your mates, I just want you to answer the phone like that every time I rung you. You know, I would just be like, oh, I'm on the phone to Mourinho. Do you know what I mean? It is, it's amazing, man. But you know, I think like Mark and like yourself and like any impression, so anyone who's passionate, yeah. if you put the time in, you're going to get the results eventually, oh, aren't you? 100%. I mean, if you go back, I don't know, you, Johnny, you've obviously done your research because you know everything kind of finished up in 2015 in, in, my, in my old job and all that. But I don't I'm not know stalking if you, you, I promise. I don't know if you, if you guys seen the videos that I did going back 12 years ago now. And they, like, and if you look at the impressions, like, so basically it was filmed in a, a mate of mine's house uh, on a Saturday morning we were all out the night before in our local nightclub and basically I, I went home early enough that night 
um, and came back the next day and loads of the lads were there and I said oh we're filming a couple of the videos do you remember we agreed to do it in the nightclub last night because <laughs> the lads had been kind of egging me on and said Al you need to do something you need to film these videos and put them up on Facebook or put them up on YouTube like you're, you're out here in the nightclub you're doing it you're, you're out in the smoking garden doing the impressions all the time you're doing the impressions in school all the time like constantly doing them let's, let's film a couple of these and we filmed about I'd say 30 videos and I look back at the impressions and they were absolutely pure, like sh- shit, dog shit, like awful, terrible. But that's the thing. They, they like the bones of the impression was there at the start, but you constantly have to work on them. You constantly like it is a working process. It doesn't just come with the click of a finger. Mm-hmm. Like you have to just keep on working on it. That's why I'm talking about like the, with the Ten Hag impression. I'm still kind of a bit hesitant on that, on, on releasing that. On, on social media because w- when I get to that kind of 75%, 80% mark, then I'll be confident enough to do it. If I can just kind of make the impression distinctive in a sense where it doesn't sound like Pep Guardiola or Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's why I was doing those examples earlier on, you know? So there is, there's a bit of a a perfectionist element to, to being an impressionist, a hundred percent. And I have it like myself as well. I was talking to a young lad on TikTok the other day. He's a massive TikTok creator. His name is Ryan Marr, but I think he has 1.2 million followers on TikTok and he's an Irish. I think he's one of the most followed Irish um, TikTok creators. And I was, I was actually picking him up because they were uh, playing a big charity game, this TikTok football game, and I was commentating on it. I wish I had played, to be honest with you. But um, he was saying like how many takes he does, you know, just for his random sketch videos in, in, in general. And I was saying, I, I, I know what you're talking about there because for each impression that I do, like if I'm, if I'm doing a video and I do about on average 15 to 20 takes per impression until I get the perfect take. I'll hear myself in some of the takes and I'll be like, nope, been that all the time. I don't know. There's an auteur element too. You've got to be <laughs> to obsessed haven't you, to get it right. Really? Yeah. It's obsessive. It's obsessive. It really is like, is there anyone who you've ever met out and you've done an impression or there's been a bit of sort of backlash from that particular celebrity or, you know, they never really see it like that. They just kind of go, well, it's flattery. Um, I'd be flattered. No, I can give you an example of an impression I did to, uh, for, to a co-star of, mm. of, of an, an actor I did an impression of to, to his co-star on the red carpet a couple of years ago. Um, Oh, feck it, I'll, name, I'll, I'll name them, I'll name them. <laughs> um, Only if you want to. No, no, I'll name them. So, no, listen, I, 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 I love this guy anyway, but I was doing um, red carpet interviews uh, for Daddy's Home, t- Daddy's Home, with Will Ferrell yeah. and Mark Wahlberg. And I did uh, the uh, Mark Wahlberg impression to Will Ferrell. I was like, how you doing, Will? How are you? You know, talking like that all the time. You know, it was really great to star in this movie with you. You're really funny. You make me laugh all the time. You know, look at the amount of takes we had to do because you made me laugh all the time. You know, and then Will Ferrell grabbed the mic off me and said, that's the worst Mark Wahlberg impersonation I've ever heard <laughs> and handed the mic back to me. I think Will had had a long day. I think he had, he did a lot of press that day and I think he got a little bit frustrated, but... Uh, that floored me. <laughs> yeah, what did you do? How did you respond but I to find that? it funny. Do you know, yeah. I look back at it and I find it funny. I think he was having a laugh. I think he yeah. was having a laugh, but he was slightly frustrated as well. Yeah. Um, when Mark, when it came to Mark Wahlberg, because the whole thing about it was, I was being filmed and I was going to do Mark Wahlberg to Mark Wahlberg. 
this is actually a brilliant story because it comes full circle. I'm gonna actually, so we get to Mark Wahlberg, the press officer comes up to me. No, no way you're doing the, that impression to him. No way. I said, okay, fair enough. Got a bad reaction from Will Ferrell. Um, Conor McGregor is fighting Jose Aldo on the weekend. Can I do a Conor McGregor impression for him? We're in Dublin for this premiere. No, no, no. Just do your job. I said, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a film critic. I'm just here to have a bit of fun. They, they The company here have sent me here to, to do this for the crack. And uh, she said, no, just ask him straight questions. So I asked him straight questions and he was lovely. Blah, blah, blah. We finished up, went in, watched the movie or whatever. So they came back two years later, 2017, for the second movie. And the premiere was in Dublin again. And I was invited. I wasn't, there was no, I wasn't doing anything again trying to interview Mark Wahlberg on the red carpet. Uh, so myself and Alison are there and Alison screams over to Mark Wahlberg while they're coming in on the red carpet. Mark! Mark! My boyfriend does a brilliant impression of you! He does a... <laughs> oh, really? All right, let, let, let me see that. So he comes he comes over, he gets his phone out and he starts filming <laughs> me doing the impression. He goes, all right, that was really good. Well done. And he, he said, I might post that. He said, he never posted it. But that's, that story kind of came full circle in a sense from two years ago, doing it in front of Will Ferrell, then being told by the press officer, no way, no way yeah. to Mark Wahlberg. And then Alison chants in her arms, screaming over to him and him getting his phone out and recording me. There's a video I of it. Oh, amazing. I would have turned around and just said to him, like, right, make sure you go, and, if no one else, go and show that to Will Ferrell. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so have that, Will. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. Back to that kind of question. I haven't really had much backlash. Like, there's been, it's been Connor who's kind of, you know, had a joke about it and said, oh, the other impressions are great, but nothing really, like, you know. Um, Mike Tyson... Yeah, that? <laughs> that was an inch. That was an inch. I think he had heard my impression and he said, yeah, that, that impression was really good. I like that. I like that. Lots of people that do impressions on me. There's another story to that as well, where we were, me and my cousin were in his dressing room uh, for a show that he was doing over here. And uh, we didn't realize it was his dressing room. And I brought my cousin along to, to meet him and get a picture and all. And uh, my cousin ate all the. M&M's and crisps and everything that was there for all the, oh, no. all, all from, the treats. I mean, like from anyone, that's bad, but from Mike Tyson, that might... Well, he walked, you know, he, he, he walked in and gave us that, that typical kind of stare he'd give for his he'd give to his opponent for his ring walks. I'd you know, soil so, myself uh, if he did that, I'm not going to lie. Oh, it was, it was intimidating as hell. And he's not that tall, as you know, like Mike Tyson isn't tall, but it's his width that's so intimidating. It's, it's how, yeah. it, it, you know... He just has, he's just an imposing figure because his security guards, he had like four security guards and they made like a little guard of honour for him to come into this dressing room. So that was even more intimidating. <laughs> why, why were you, did you just get the wrong dressing room then or did, was it just like, no, stop this. Yeah, I'm just we got take the wrong chance. dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. But he's a nice guy though, yeah. Oh yeah, he was nice. Yeah, yeah, he Have was. Have you seen his podcast? Oh yes, yes, I have. It's yeah, podcast. Though. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It is. It's it's a mental podcast, but it's great. The stories yeah. are brilliant. You know, I think it's some of the guests he's had on as well. I just found it fascinating. Like he had William Shatner on. I thought that was just hilarious. Them two him together, and, you would never think that would Oh, and they're be, they're they're like best pals are together. They? It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Moving away from that, out. Obviously, I teased this earlier on, but um, I kind of feel like I should. As a fellow football fan, I'm uh, not a United fan, but I, I kind of feel like, do you, do you just need a fan. minute? A to Chelsea just, fan. I'm a Chelsea I'm a fan. Chelsea yeah. fan. So, From yeah. Southport. Yeah. Which, 
Yeah, so, that's another story. That's another story. But uh, yeah, thanks for that. What about you, Graham? Um, what about you? I'm Graham? a Liverpool supporter, but I'm, I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want to oh, get into mate. it, and that's mainly because if, I, if it wasn't, my family would just literally disown me. <laughs> so I have to fly well, the flag. Graham's fella is an Arsenal fan. He so, is, yeah. Um, Al, do, do you do you want to vent about anything? Or like, I, fi- I kind of feel like. It's such a hot topic at the moment. And oh, United. You've only got to check out, uh, yeah, you've just got to check out social media and vocal about the, the situation of United. But as a football fan, to look at what's maybe going on at that club from the outside looking in, I I think it's atrocious, to be honest with you. Mm. And it's I, interesting I, I, to get just, that perspective from... from I, I mean, yeah, you know, you've... You know, you look at someone like Gary Neville and I know he should be impartial and all the rest of it when he's on Sky Sports and on his various podcasts and what have you when he's really giving his yeah. view. For me, I just think like from the ownership level and to what's actually being transpired onto the pitch, th- there was a video which was doing the rounds again on TikTok and someone got a Harry Maguire shirt for the 21st birthday. So it was a brand new mm. Man United this season shirt and he was over the moon and then all of his mates are filming and going, turn it over. When he turned it over, he sees Maguire on the back and he just like almost, he was laughing, but you could see he would never want to wear it. And you think, oh my God, yeah. like to be in that team and to be in that mentality, I would I would really struggle to to be a part of that in any way, shape yeah. or form. I just think, I just think it's broken. I thought I, about, I, 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 I actually thought about that this morning and I thought the players um, are definitely a fault, definitely. Uh, for the astronomical wages that they're on, their lacklustre performances, that needs to be called out. But also, I have sympathy for the players and I've had sympathy for the the previous coaches and the current coach because at the end of the day, the bigger picture is they are being used as a shield by by those owners. They are. And it's... It's an absolute, it's, it's, a, it's a farce if you ask me. What they've done to the football club, what they did with the Super League as well last season, that's, mm. a, that's a clear indicator of, of who you're dealing with. And Gary Neville warned people, he warned everyone on Sky Sports last year, if, if Joel Glazer is involved in this European Super League, that is bad news. There are owners that don't invest in the club. They use the revenue generated by the club to sign players. This is why this whole bullshit of... Oh, but they've spent a billion. No, they have not. That's not their money. That's money yeah. generated by the fans for shirt sales, sponsors. They have used this club as a commercial entity. Sir Alex held the ship. He he he, he basically, he held things together when they came in. Because Sir yeah. Alex is a miracle worker. That you, It's rare you're ever going to see a Sir Alex Ferguson again. Let's be honest here. And the setup was pretty good anyway. Uh, the structure of the club was pretty good under Sir Alex Ferguson when they came in. They had players that they had previously signed uh, when Martin Edwards was there, like Van der Sar. You know, they had the likes of the Class of 92 still there. Yeah. They had the likes of Skulls, Giggs and all of them and, and, and Gary Neville still there. Ferdinand, they just had a great squad. The youth system was perfect at that point. But as soon as Sir Alex retired, it was there. It was their time to shine the glazes. It was their time to play yeah. with this club like like it was it was their own playground. The commercial sponsors came in. Ed Woodward was put in charge. A banker. A banker. A guy who knows absolutely nothing about football. He was in charge of transfers. He oversaw the recruitment coming into this club. Transfers like Paul Pogba. That's a com- he, he was a commercial entity for this club. 100%. Great player on his day. On, and on, and on his day player. And that's my opinion of Paul Pogba. One good performance in 10. Yeah. 
Well, that's it. The days weren't on his day, but those days would go by and weeks would, yeah. would pass, you know, before he was having one good one. I think if you look at someone like Ronaldo now, it's hard it's a hard to feel sorry. If you take the money out of this and you just play with the emotion mm. of what is on the pitch, or from a fan's perspective, all people working in, in the office, you know, not in the boardroom, but those nine to fives who are going yeah. in and around Old Trafford on a daily basis. I think to look around at those guys, there's got to be something to fight for. There's got to be something that pushes you through. As a Chelsea fan, when we couldn't spend a load of money, you look at someone like Lampard mm. and you play on the history and like you were saying, yeah. that, you know, our very own sort of, I say class of 92, very loosely there, but you're looking at the reserve, you're bringing through someone like Mason Mount or anybody like that. You tap into what's there, you tap into what is being developed. Mm. And I just think you can laugh and joke about it. And of course, football means banter and from a banter point of view you know you know oh, I've got Man United fans of course you, you yeah. expect to give it yeah and, you know and obviously anyone from Liverpool definitely going to give it to a fellow Man U fan you know in the family you know they want to highlight how crap they are but the 25 to 1 to be relegated um on the day of me saying this 25 to 1 two weeks ago I looked out of interest it was about 450 to 1 yeah and after a couple of games in, it's, Isn't that scary? It was, it's you know, you, the best thing to do would be those guys to just turn around and from the Glazers and like Gary Neville says, come over and just go, right, it's time for you I, to, to go. Hold your hands up and say, for the interest of the fans, before it starts getting very nasty, which I think it yeah. could do, to get to that stage. Yeah, Graham's now back. He's just uh, co- <laughs> What happened there, what you noticed now was the Liverpool fan happened to uh, dive out the podcast just when uh, we were talking about drop right, yeah, drop right out. <laughs> dropped back in at the end of it. But I'm on me 5G now. Oh, no worries. No worries, man. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is, there's got to be something, you know what you people need to fight for. And I think it's going to get to the stage where this could be very nasty. And yeah. I hate to say it, and I don't, could be like an Everton situation from last season mm. that, you know, if it gets oh, to yeah. Christmas. I'm thinking that it, it could be, mm. it could be very much like that. But here's the whole thing about it. Ronaldo, we're talking about Ronaldo, he's their last hope. You know, reports coming out this morning that Joel Glazer is blocking the sale of Ronaldo. He's blocking the contract termination of Ronaldo. He is the last hope because he, he's their gold mine in a sense. Kids going to get Ronaldo on the back of their jersey. The shirt sales. If they lose Ronaldo, I think that's that's a tipping point. I really do. The noise in the media makes me think that something is brewing. It gives me hope. It, it gives me a little bit of hope. <laughs> I know the issues. There are issues as well. There are squad issues. We all know that. But the bigger picture is the owners of, these club, of this club. They're nothing short of it. They're just disgraceful. They really are. They're putting the fans through absolute torture. Our mental health's all over the place, you know. It's it's just I don't know. I just at a point now where you know enough is enough. You know it's it's kind of hopeless in a sense. And for years, like we the man the managers were the were the, were the fall guys, the Van Gaals, the Mourinho's, the Moyes. Now we see the bigger picture. Now we see the issues. Is we also see the issues with the squad, with some of these players being handed crazy contracts, don't match their their performances, and this is all down to the ownership of this club it's all down to Ed Woodward giving crazy contracts to, to these players you know it's it's crazy it, it really is and I look at Liverpool now and I look how well set up they are and I know people I know there's a couple of Liverpool fans that complain about uh, the Fenway Sports Group I go back to the Super League debacle last year and I remember 
Joel Glazer sent a little letter to the United fans and said he'd do something about it and he hasn't done anything since. But John Henry posted a video and I thought that was more impactful than Joel Glazer sending across a little a little tiny letter. You know, John Henry apologised, realised realised the, the, the faults in, in signing up to this Super League. They've let Klopp run that ship. They've let Klopp... If they've given them the best facilities possible, they've moved away from Melwood into this new training facility, which looks it's state of the art, very much like Leicester's and Spurs. They had a brilliant sport. Is Michael Edwards? He's he's gone now, is he? I think a few people just gone. I don't know if he's. Yeah, but they have I a sporting so, director. Yeah. They have everything. Yeah. The, the football. There was a change in the. Yeah, the footballing yeah. side of things have prioritised the commercial side of things at Liverpool. It's a good balance actually because I do see a lot yeah. of commercial side of things at Liverpool now. At the moment, you're seeing it. You've seen more. You've seen it more prominently in the last couple of years, but it's a great balance. With United, it was ten percent football, ninety percent commercial, and that's what it's yeah. been like since twenty thirteen. You it's, don't get a lot of Liverpool supporters complaining about the owners at the moment, do you? No. What? Why would you? You've you know they've they've a fantastic manager on on board who who they support wholeheartedly, who they listen to, who they back all the way, respect they, who they respect. It's simple, but ah, uh, you know. Well, Al, I think um, from a from a football fan, having a better Man United makes the Premier League a better place. <laughs> and you can say now, obviously, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, mm. Chelsea, you know, having Man United sort of in that fold challenging all the likes of, say, you know, Liverpool and, and Man City, I think will only make a, a better league. So let's hope that maybe this season is the last one of pure hell. And in effect, sometimes I- if it is a hellish one, it might maybe... Mm provide a yeah. bit more benefit further down the line well, and every cloud have a silver lining. Well, the hope is <laughs> You've got to that go whatever it, new you? owner comes into this club is going to come into this club with pure love for the fans mm. and the club. What do you reckon for the World Cup then, Al? I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you reckon uh, could be lifting the uh, the trophy come Christmas time? I don't know. I mean... Or do you want to save this for your podcast? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, oh, it's hard to say, isn't it? I'd say watch out for Spain. Okay. I think Luis Enrique, I think there's something brewing with Luis Enrique in Spain at the moment. Very similar. There's not much stars in that team, but mm. it's kind of similar enough to, to Italy last year. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. They were very impressive in the Euros last year. I, Spain are always going to play terrific football, but I think Luis Enrique in Spain for this World Cup would be good. But there's always France as well. There's always France. France yeah, is the best. They seem that yeah. They have the best. Rule them out at your peril, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. They seem to get in momentum. Don't yeah. They? Portugal have a, yeah. have a strong enough squad as well, but it's kind of it's disjointed as well in a sense. Mm. There's a lot of good players there on paper, but I don't see them doing much. An Argentina versus Portugal final in the Qatar and World Cup. I mean, that's what dreams are made of. Messi versus <laughs> Ronaldo. Like that would just be unbelievable. That would be the biggest. Yeah. The biggest showdown in sports history, if you ask me. If that was to happen, but listen, we can dream. You know. <laughs> well, thanks for not even mentioning England there. No, we appreciate look, that. I no, I, <laughs> there's a lot of promise Why there. Why there's you? a good squad, but I'm seeing them lately and I'm like, oh, what promise. is going on here? What? Where's the momentum gone from the Euros last year? So I don't know what's up there. I really don't. But you never know. I think Southgate is getting a lot of, he's getting a lot of stick. And it's kind of, it's a bit of a turbulent time for him. And you're not going to get a new manager, obviously, before November. So my advice to you guys, just get behind him. Get behind him. See what he yeah. can do. He's worked his magic in two mm. tournaments already. Just see. Could what, be third time lucky. Could be third. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Al, before you go. You're in oh, Scotland. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I was, I, that's why I went. Before you go, I was trying to move it on before <laughs> I stand up and I've got a kill time. I am in Scotland, to be fair, which means... <laughs> 
I'd love that if you did. I won't won't put you through that abuse. (laughs) (laughs) It would be quite interesting watching a World Cup as an English person. Okay, it's in Edinburgh, so it's a little bit. Don't you'll find me working out the Glasgow office during the World Cup uh, supporting (laughs) England. Uh, I might step away from that one a little bit. Yeah, but um, but no, I've started watching a little bit more of the Scottish football. Occasionally, I just check the results, whereas now I'm kind of looking at what various teams Mm. are doing, and, and we still haven't picked the team yet because we don't know how long we're going to be living up here. So for that first year, I was just kind of going, oh, what's the best one? You know, Rangers, Celtic, but Hearts is down the road from us. So that could be, uh, that could be our go-to. That could be our go-to. So if we interview you in a year, Al, and you come back on our podcast, (laughs) then if I'm in a Hearts shirt and then with a, yeah, with a kilt on, you'll know where it, what what way it went. (laughs) Um, Al, before you go, you are the impressionist uh, superstar. I'm going to give you, I've just picked a a handful between Graham and Lovely. What I'll do is I'll kind of give you a scenario. So I'll give you the name. I'm going to put you on the spot. So Gordon Ramsay. um, And has he got a guess and do the most appropriate impression? Yeah. So I'll sort of give you the scenario and then you kind of yes, storyboard it right. from then. So Gordon Ramsay is having a pure kitchen nightmare because Eddie Murphy has uh, caused a little bit of shit in the dining room. So how would Ramsay react to that? Um, what, what's he doing? I mean, listen, he's not even complaining, okay? When he gets the food, okay, I gave him a starter of escargot, okay? French snails with garlic flavour, okay? And he looks at them, he looks at them right in front of me and says, Gordon, what is this? What are you, what are you feeding me snails for, man? I never had snails in my entire life. What is, look at this. And they eating garlic, man. My breath's going to stink, man. I'm going to need some Tic Tacs in my breath after I get out of this restaurant. <laughs> I mean, escargot is lovely. What are you doing? For God's sake, Eddie. Oh, God. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's absolutely. It's Alex. I'm just living for the pronunciation of escargot. <laughs> <laughs> it's world class. I've got another one for you. How about uh, this could be a bit controversial and obviously when the edit's done on this, we don't quite know what will happen, but Donald Trump. Will he be inside? Uh, will he be inside or will he be inside the White House in 2024? What do you reckon? Inside Al? where? Inside where? What are we talking about? There's nothing. I don't know what you're talking about inside. It's either inside Mar-a-Lago or it's inside the White House. The other inside you're talking about is pure phony fake news and I don't want to talk about it. It really is disgraceful. The way they're treating me is so bad. So bad and I don't like it. It really is. It's it's shocking to be quite honest with you. It really is. <laughs> you know what? I do love I delve in and uh, out of you- that constantly. I really do. It's it's very bad. I have to stop. I have to stop doing him. I really do. You know, because I do Joe as well. You gotta I do Joe. Joe's like that. Hey. Okay. Get in office. So you must be having a great time in uh, Wales, Johnny. <laughs> just the ramblings of, yeah when you see him up the podium he's like like la, 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 and he just gets led away yeah yeah it's like oh, Brucey um, Graham have you got any any on your list Graham you want to uh, you want to ask for uh, yes um, a well known American comic it. what does he think about the Summer Fresh podcast and should him and Spotify be worried yeah he's on a hundred uh, million pound Spotify oh. deal Good old Joe Rogan. Yeah, you know, it's incredible. Rogues. Oh, my God. You know, this podcast absolutely amazing. I think a lot of people give me a lot of a lot of flack for what I'm doing with Spotify, but it's incredible. Wow. You know, they're not going to let me go. 
they're not they're not they're just getting rid of some some of the episodes but uh I don't, I've, got, I've, I've got no jamie to pull anything up so yeah all i can pull up is the blinds here because <laughs> it's so hot <laughs> wow oh my god incredible <laughs> <laughs> and you touched on it before, Al, going into the wrong dressing room of Mike Tyson. What happens if Mike Tyson opens the door and Tyson Fury happens to be in that dressing room? How, how would that go down, do you think? Oh, it's Tyson Jr. Look at him. I'm so proud of him. Look what he's done for I mean, he's achieved so much. Hello, Mike. Come on. Get up, my boy. I tell you, me and Mike Tyson ruling the world 100%. And I tell you what, I'm not retired. See you, Zick and Joshua. I'm watching that fight. Two absolute dossers. Usyk is a one-trick pony. Anthony Joshua, I tell you what, Anthony Joshua, they've hyped him up for so long. And I tell you, the hype is derailing. It's derailing. <laughs> Get up, Mosh. <laughs> Al, it's been an absolute pleasure, honestly. Um, you, you, um, we're not precious about our podcast here, so give us a little bit of a heads up for, for your next one on the Go Loud app, Al. Give us a little bit of a reminder for that. Yeah, we're, we're, looking, we're looking at coming back in the next month or two there's no official dates yet we're, we're just kind of planning it out probably getting a co-host in as well we're looking at getting a co-host in for the new season um a fellow man united fan we can we can wallow <laughs> the other we one. can wallow in misery <laughs> goldmouth season two we'll we'll be back shortly we'll, but we will definitely be back before the world cup that's that's a that's a given so um yeah i look forward to, to coming back to coming back in hopefully i'll be happy every week there was we, we we how many episodes did we record? Four, fifteen or sixteen? Fourteen of those episodes. I I came in and United had either drawn or lost. That's yeah. it. The only way is up, Al. The only Absolutely. Way is up. And for your social media, Al, plug your socials because yeah. you just give us a very small taste of your uh, amazing impressions and of obviously the, the back catalogue of the podcast you've hosted, all the ones coming up. To go through your entire catalogue, where can people go and just have a little look at some of your epic impressions? Yeah. So for TikTok. Just Al Foreign Comedy. For Instagram, Al Foreign Comedy. The same on Facebook. The same on YouTube. And for Twitter, it's at Impressionist Al. Twitter is just a long line of tweets of me moaning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of green and gold wearing tops on there. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. The old classic. You know said before, Al, I've, I've done my research. I've been stalking you for months. That's, that's <laughs> all. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that Graham, the last few days of Graham Sooners. Well, I'll tell you something, Green. I'll tell you, we're absolutely delighted. Well, I am. Well, Paul Pogba's gone from the Premier League. I'm not, no, you know, secretly I'm not. I'm asking for a transfer to Sky Italia. <laughs> well, Graeme, I think you said this, didn't you? So, Graeme, that's why Graeme is spelt that Graeme, isn't I'm it? I'm named after yeah, him. Yeah, well, I have a mate who has the same the same name. There's, it's either it Graeme, G-R-A. because yeah, my dad was such a big Liverpool supporter. Or it's G-R-A-E-M-E. But I've I've a mate who has the same name as that as well, the same Graham name. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me. That's it. All you gotta do is just grow the tash now. Everyone goes, I was just in Spain this week and they were calling me Graimi all the time. <laughs> Graimi. Ah oh. <laughs> Well uh, do you oh, know what? No. Johnny, you, you passed the um the surname pronunciation <laughs> test, by the way. 
Because a lot of people oh, okay. in the UK say foreign. You said foreign from the get go. You, you're go- good. You're good. You, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> That's the the heritage of uh, Collins being a, uh, an Irish surname. Hey, hey, there, Alan. Go you it <laughs> Well, Al, we wish you continued success, and we can't Thanks, wait to lads. check out even more impressions, and of course the podcast when it comes back. Al Foran, ladies and gentlemen, thank, thank you very you, much. Lads. Al. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This is summer. Refreshed. There he is, funny man, funny man. Um, the Trump impression, just the that. The, I'm, I'm here for that. The Joe Biden, I didn't see that one coming. Trump, you expect no. Biden? Yeah, Biden is one of those kind of people who not really many people like take the Mickey out of, or not sort of from an impressionist point of view. More so for the fact that he's just deemed really old. Yeah, he is really he's old. A little bit quite sad, really, isn't it? An old and decrepit president, but <laughs> uh, he's still got the. Uh, can we get away with that? Oh, yeah, God. well, it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, the bar's right, been just, set very low for presidents recently in terms exactly, of behaviour, hasn't it? So it yeah, seems very really nice old. Did you see that years ago? That photo of Joe Biden when like. I'm surprised it hasn't come up on your Instagram um, suggested reels. Google Joe Biden, young. Why was he hot? Joe Biden, Yeah, I think young. I reckon you would have fancied him back in the day, mate. I reckon this is very much your Oh, time. my God. <laughs> he, he looks like he's got that, a haircut from today. Mm, that could be like a today kind of photo, couldn't how, it? How, I never saw that one coming. There Joe Biden at one point, before he sort of turned into an old prune. Probably going back about 60 years with that photo. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I'll, there you save, go, well. I'll save that for later. Yes, yeah, weird that thing one. to say. Laminate <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> Sometimes when we hit record, I never quite know where this conversation's no, going to go. Me neither. I didn't anyway. expect that one. Beth Tweddle's on the show, but isn't she? I, I've just found something out here. Well, I did know when we did the interview. Mm. Um, the World Gymnastics Championships are in Liverpool this October. 29th of October to the 6th of November. It's quite a big deal for Beth because she's kind of Liverpool way. She's Northwest based. So it's kind of like a home event for her to comment on. Uh, she was her in law. She was in their back bedroom in Litherland, a couple of streets mm. away from where my mum and dad live when I was born. And I was like, you, what? You're off Lineker Lane? She was like, uh, yeah, just sat in the back bedroom casually on this interview we're about to do. She's done loads of interviews before us as well, and she for the BBC and what have you, which is great. She's a really great character, and she's led an absolute in terms of being one of the top athletes this uh, country has ever ever produced. Beth is really up there, and she's absolutely lovely, super and down she, to earth, super down to earth as well. We chat about London 2012 and her experiences from when she won bronze uh, in the Olympics when it was in London a couple of years ago. And obviously, like Graham said, look forward to the World Gymnastic Championships, which happens in about three weeks. And she's uh, she's a mum now, more of two. So a little bit of motherhood references come in there Hang as on, well. Are they going to be doing the World Gymnastics Championships in Liverpool over bomby night? Are they mad? Are oh, they- <laughs> no. Someone's going to get egged at the World Gymnastics. All bog roll, flour and egg all over them. I That's look forward it, yeah. to that. Well, you might not notice the flour because a lot of them tend to put that stuff on the hands, don't they, to yeah. grip. So yeah. it's when someone puts an egg in there, you're like, what the hell's going on here? Lobs it at the judges. Yeah. I'm here for that. Just, yeah. <laughs> this is what happened when we cut up with Beth Tweddle. Summer Refresh. It's Beth Tweddle MBE. Yeah. Hey, Beth, how are you? I'd love to be an MBE, you? you know. Imagine oh, we'll, we'll sort it out for you. Oh, thank you. Put a word in for me. Sorry, I talked about <laughs> you there, Johnny. Welcome. Well, I no, am very so good, thank you. How are you? I'm hungover. I won't lie. Johnny <laughs> ah. <laughs> was out with the guests. Always. I was out with the guests yesterday. I ended up at a, like a comedian fringe showcase. 
where basically like fringes on, everyone gets together, does a couple of minutes each, about eight to 10 minutes recorded for BBC Scotland, bit of a showcase to give them a bit more publicity. And I just ended up hanging out with those guys, which was good, but I didn't have any tea. That was what went wrong. Oh, I didn't have any that's tea. It. That's it. Um, <laughs> but Look what chippy on today, the home, was it? Well, do you know what? I, I didn't even be bothered doing that because there was a queue outside the Mackey's on Princess Street. And I was like, no, it's not for me. Not for me, this. I can't be bothered. So I kind of got in, had a Subway cookie, brushed my teeth and went to bed. <laughs> oh, that'll do you, a Subway cookie. Yeah. yeah, it was a, you know, a chocolate one. It was nice. I'd realised I'm saying this to an Olympian. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think of this? Be- you don't do this sort of thing, do you, Beth? You don't approve of this sort of thing. I don't drink, so no. But um, I-, I love food. I don't- it makes me laugh when people go, I just miss dinner. I'm like, no, dinner, food is I priority. Exactly. I, I couldn't miss my tea. I'd be I'd be a horrible person if I missed my tea. <laughs> do you get hungry? Yeah. Yeah, I do really badly. And, and and I know now I'm like, am I angry or am I just hangry? And I think I can I can work it out now. Well certainly if I can't wither off, Steve points out which one it is very quickly. <laughs> and then do you bite your head off? <laughs> yes, of course I do. How dare you point that out? Yeah. But you'll be impressed because look, obviously Beth being, you know, such a great Olympian. I've seen, you know, many in a, a beautiful body in a time. And I think, you know, this is a physique. I won't stand up fully. But this is a physique because I'm doing a boot camp. I've joined a gym around the corner from me and I do boot camps every week now and go swimming. Check you out. There are other brands available, obviously. There's Johnny like showcasing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can get yeah. <laughs> two stripes, three stripes. Yeah. <laughs> Every stripe, yeah, no stripes. He just said, I, I won't stand up. And all I thought when you said, I, when I won't stand up, I thought, he's just wearing his boxies. <laughs> no, it's not. Do you want me to stand up? Yes. <laughs> what type of podcast have I joined here? <laughs> no, you don't specialist. want to know. <laughs> Specialist podcast. Anyway, listen, let's do the proper intro and we'll give Beth the, the welcome she deserves. So Beth is the most successful gymnast we've created for a very, 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 very long time. An Olympic bronze medal, three world titles, five European titles, seven British titles, <gasps> under her belt to name but a few. Wow. Beth started gymnastics at the age of seven in the bid to use up some of her excessive energy uh, as a child at a local gymnastics club. And of course, crafted her career at the City Liverpool Gymnastics Club. Beth, it's amazing to have you on. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Um, it's been 10 years since London 2012 when you got the bronze. There's rumours, obviously, that the city kind of want to bid for it again or the UK want to try and put their uh, sort of two pennies worth in. If you just cast your mind back to the Olympics a decade ago, what are the memories? If you could summarise it from start to finish, how was it? Oh, it was it was incredible. I mean, when it first got announced, I think it was back in 2005 that we were going to host, it was kind of, that's really exciting, but... I probably won't still be competing then, so I'll just be there as a spectator. But then obviously going to Beijing, finishing fourth, it was, I kind of had unfinished business. And then thinking, do you know what, I've got an Olympic Games on home soil. That is too good of an opportunity to step away from. And I always wanted to look back on my career and go, I I wish I tried rather than I wish I tried. So luckily I continued into London 2012 because... It was just the best atmosphere. I mean, walking into a stadium, the crowds erupting, and it just gives me goosebumps it being a 10-year anniversary, listening to montages of the magical moments that happened throughout London 2012, and it just gives you goosebumps, like, thinking about it. 
London 2012 was like peak Britain, wasn't it? And I, as a country, I feel like we've had a difficult 10 years, but I always look at London 2012 and go, that was Britain at its best. It must feel really good to have been part of that. I mean, my family and friends were all down there and they just said being able to walk around London, the buzz of it, people chatting to each other, they were on the tube and there'd be announcements about British athletes winning medals and they said it was kind of surreal when they got on the tube after my performance and they announced my medal and they're kind of like, oh my God, we were just there watching that. Um, so yeah, it, it is amazing. It's been a turbulent couple of years, as we all know, with COVID and everything and to kind of hear those rumours that we will be bidding for it again, 100% I will be at the front of that queue backing that bid because for other athletes coming up in the future thinking, do you know what, if they can have that same experience as what I did, then it'll be amazing for them. And Beth, just looking forward um, in terms of a couple of people who you could name who are going to be decent. I know round the corner we've got at the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool, the World Gymnastics Championships. Big uh, takes place end of October into early November. Who are the sort of people to look out for? Yeah, I mean, on the British team, uh, the Gadarova twins, they're kind of the talk of the town at the minute. They're already Olympic bronze medalists at just 16 years old. And wow. they, they just love the sport. They remind me of when I was young. They're just hungry for more success and... Um, I think that will come their way. So obviously the games, if we do get it, it's, it's going to be quite a while away. So it will be the youngsters that are, are kind of really young now that will be looking towards that game. But for the world this year, definitely the Gadarova twins, Alice Kinsella, also part of that Olympic bronze medal team from last year. Uh, on the boys' side, you've got Gianni, you've got Joe Fraser, who's a current world champion. Max Whitlock, I am unsure whether he'll be at the World Champs in Liverpool, but even if he's not competing, he'll definitely be there doing meet and greets and inspiring that younger generation. How do people deal, I mean, like you, for example, you started really young uh, playing all these, appearing all these big international events. How did you deal with the really intense pressure that came with that as someone who's really young? Um... When you're doing it, I, d- I don't remember feeling that intense pressure. The, the expectation for myself going into any event, whether it was a national event, whether it was the Olympics, is do what you do every day in training. So we don't expect you to do any better than what you're already training because you, you haven't trained for that. And obviously you do routine after routine after routine in the gym. So you just want to go out there and do the best performance. Now, if that comes away with a PB or um, a medal then great if it if it doesn't quite work out then go back to the drawing board what what was it that didn't work out on the day was it down to the training prior to the event was there some factors in the gym on the competition day that didn't quite work out how can we emulate that competition environment in the training because you, you can do thousands of routines in a training gym but There is nothing that compares to standing in front of a home crowd at an Olympic Games with 30 seconds to prove yourself. You cannot emulate that pressure. But there's lots of little things you can do throughout your career to help you overcome nerves, overcome fears, whatever it is that that particular athlete is struggling with. So my coach did lots of different things with me in training whether it was, right, you can do your routine, but actually you've got to do three of it in a row. And if you don't, you have to go back to one and start again. So 
that in itself creates a different pressure because you do the first and second one and you're going in for the third and you're like, oh, can I do it? Can I do it? And that pressure just, you make or break it. And then it's, it's disappointing if you have to start again. Did you have a little routine before you went on? Remember, um, I remember watching the, the swimming at the Olympics. Was his name Michael Phelps? They all, it, yeah, it? every athlete's slightly different. I didn't necessarily have a specific routine. I think people who watch me tend to, I, I used to have a little water spray that I used to spray the bars just to, to make it grippier. So I think that was kind of me getting into my zone, switching off from the crowd and just doing my own thing. Um, Do you have music I, or anything? No, I'm, I'm not a big music fan, JC, you'll know this, so <laughs> I'm rubbish <laughs> for music. Um, yeah, don't get me, Beth going on. You don't want to take it to a pub quiz on a music round. There'll be no gold, up, gold, silver, or bronze medals there. Um, but when it comes to preparation, it was. I, I soon realised it was about what you'd done before the event. You can have all these little superstitions on the day, but I soon realised that one day it worked, one day it didn't, and it, it, it was just down to. The preparation he'd done prior to the event and do you know what a little bit of luck on the day just touching on sort of the the routines and the sort of the before during and afters recently with simone biles and were it was probably the first time where you, she retired due to the twisty so is, is that like a condition which you can get where you just don't know where you are for a split second is that what that is yeah it is such a bizarre feeling and i, I remember during the games everyone was kind of asking me saying well, i just don't get it like if you if you've trained to do it you don't just suddenly forget how to do it but it's one of the scariest things you can get in gymnastics you'll take off for a somersault and literally have no idea where you are and now when you're talking about the level of skill that Simone Biles was doing she could be doing double somersaults with double triple twists in it now if you get lost in midair with that you, you could end up on your head 100% it was the right decision at that time for her to step away from the events that she did and prioritise her her individual health uh, over medals. And I, I saw interviews with her after the Games once she'd got home and obviously had time to analyse it. And she said, if people had said to me, you're only going to come away with a couple of medals from that Games, she said, a year ago, I would have been distraught, devastated with that. But she said, now looking back on it, those two medals mean so much to me because of the journey that I had to go through. And the weird thing is with, she calls it a twisties. I used to just call it a mental block. <laughs> it just appears. <laughs> so one day you'll be absolutely fine. You'll do all of your routines. The next morning you'll go in the gym and you just suddenly can't do it. And it is the most frustrating thing, both for the coach and the athlete, because as an athlete, you get worried about it then you start to overthink it more then it starts to become more of an issue then you go home and you're still thinking about it and you just can't switch off from it and from a coach's perspective they want to do everything they can to help you but ultimately it's you that's in control of your body so you just literally have to sometimes take a step back some people just never do that skill again so for me i always had a, tw a twisting problem with one and a half twist and it just Throughout my whole career, it just sat with me and it was just something I had to control. What causes it? No idea. <laughs> Good question. I would love to know the answer. Graham loves going to the gym. You know, obviously we're talking to you, Beth, who's an Olympian, and me who does, you know, one hour once a week. And 
can't walk for about four days after. <laughs> um, but there's obviously dedication. <laughs> there's dedication there. That goes which, that, by the way. That does go eventually. That it, four it, days. What thing. year? How many? After how many years does that? Go? <laughs> <laughs> after a bit of time, it becomes less and less. But it's a good sign that if you get what's called DOMS, isn't it? It's a good sign if you get that a little bit within reason. It means you've trained. There was actually a bit midway through the boot camp on my very first one where um, we got about 20 minutes in and Stephen, the personal trainer, was like, right, that's the warm-up done. And I looked and thought, it's not a joke. This is actually not a joke. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, obviously, with that dedication and stuff, and it becomes kind of a hobby, were you... This sounds a bit odd, Beth, but would you just sort of, even though you've retired, do you still like go to the gym and just do a bit of gymnastics as a hobby? Do you just sort of like jump a few bars or is that totally, <laughs> totally not the done thing? Uh, do you know what? I've not done gymnastics for a long time now. I think with some sports, whether I, I could be talk, talking out of turn here, but with swimming, with, I don't know, football, you can just do it at a, a slower level. Um, whereas for yeah. me, doing gymnastics, like obviously to do the big tricks that I was doing when I was competing for the Olympics, I was doing 30 plus hours. You're doing all of the body preparation to ensure that it's safe for you to do that. Now, if I was to still yeah. do gymnastics now, I want to do those big tricks, but I don't want to do the 30 hours. So obviously it just wouldn't be safe. Now, yeah. obviously forward rolls and stuff, I can. Uh, I think I could probably still manage one of them. My little one uh, <laughs> constantly ask me to do it and I'm like I think I, I genuinely think I get motion sickness now doing it though <laughs> that's the problem be like um, the swisties here we go yeah. <laughs> so I don't actually do any gymnastics I try and obviously keep fit and healthy and I think it's a good example um now that I'm a mum of two to kind of showcase the exercise and a healthy balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle is a good thing like I'll take when I'm taking Freya to nursery we walk to nursery um and she even says to me now mummy I've got to walk because it gets me healthy so I think just little things like that is showcasing a healthy lifestyle for the younger generation coming through Freya does a bit of gymnastics though doesn't she? (laughs) she she does on a Saturday morning she um my husband Andy takes her uh, I don't, but I, I never find out what she's doing. Done. I come, they come home, and I'll say, "Did you have fun at gymnastics?" She just goes, "Yes, mummy." Um, and then I'll say to Andy, "What's she done?" And he's like, "Same as always." And I'm like, "Well, that doesn't really tell me anything because you didn't tell me what she did last week either." <laughs> um, and it's never the same as always because Freya gives me little inklings into what she's done, and she, she just loves it. She's energetic in in general, so the fact that she does. Um, she just loves being with her friends, using up her energy, bouncing around. And she was so proud of herself the other day. She came home and I said, how was gymnastics? She said, mummy, I was the demonstrator today. And I was like, for her, that was like the biggest thing. And I was like, that is just so cute. It is cute. But I have no idea what she can do. This is it. She might be at the World Gymnastic Championships, (laughs) Beth, at the end of October. You'll end up introducing her go, hang on a minute. When Andy brings her on, like, where's this come from? She will be there, but as a part, uh, as a spectator, not as a participant. Do you know what? I think it's great to showcase these things. So the Commonwealth Games have happened in Birmingham and we took her along because I just think it's great that these are historic moments. It's not every day you get home games in your country. So to take her along and showcase the different sports to her, when I carried the baton for the Commonwealth, we took her along to that as well. And she's only three at the minute, but obviously in years to come, we'll be able to tell her 
what she what she did. She was down to come to Tokyo with us for the Olympics, but obviously we didn't end up going with uh, oh, COVID. Everyone's proud, don't they? If you've got a son or daughter, whatever they do is, if she follows, you know, your little one follows in your footsteps, then, um, you know, that would be fantastic. If not, just... Have two MBEs in the house, imagine that. <laughs> now, I've been lucky to um, interview Beth a couple of times in my career. And we always tend to do a little bit of a game. So I'm just going to drop that in there, Beth. A little game is coming. Oh, what's he got planned here? No well, idea. Beth does the chase. So I thought we'd play a little mini version of the chase. And obviously you need a chaser. And that chaser you'll be taking on, Beth, is the tattooed tyrant. Um, that tyrant? Is- I thought it was the, uh, Tyson, I thought. Oh, sorry, have I got that wrong? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Go with whatever, yeah. That makes you probably sound a bit meaner, but anyway, you're taking on Graham. As long as I'm not frosty knickers, that's what they used to say about the the governess, isn't it? It's like, frosty knickers, Graham Smith. I'd be like, excuse me. That's coming up in just a tick, but before we do that, and when you Google a couple of things about gymnastics, so when you hit Google and you go through, there's a couple of sort of random things come up, and I thought, obviously, with you being here, Beth, it's kind of right. So... You can Google, say, gymnastics. Simone Biles' name obviously comes up loads. And you get like, what kind of car does Simone Biles drive? Uh, apparently, it's a Range Rover Evoque, uh, according to Google. Other ones, can you wear makeup in the Olympics? Do gymnastics do their own hair styling? The gymnasts do their own hair yeah. and tend to do their own makeup as well. So, so you are allowed to wear makeup? Yeah, you can wear makeup. Lashes look, the worst. Um, and then there's other ones here. So why can't gymnastics wear nail polish? I know at one point we weren't allowed to wear it, and I, I'm, I'm not sure about the reasoning behind it. And we also weren't allowed to wear earrings. Yeah, I so that. I can understand that one. The, the nail, nail polish one, apparently, because so. flashy nails could distract the judges. Joining <laughs> that the team. doesn't make sense to me. So, do female gymnastics have to shave? That comes up quite a lot. Um, <laughs> And then also, <laughs> do gymnasts glue their leotards on? <laughs> so. This is going to sound so random, but the answer is yes. Thought <laughs> so. so. <laughs> okay, yeah. elaborate. You thought, yeah. Obviously, you don't want a wedgie. Um, so <laughs> she- we, I used to use like cake spray and it you just used to glue the edge of it. so that it's say cake spray? No, tape. Tape. I was like, it's a cake spray. Like, it's not the hair spray for cakes. <laughs> a bit of lacquer. Yeah. No, so it's tape spray. So I used to just stick it down so that you didn't end up with a big wedgie. Right. Makes sense. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I'm glad oh, we went through those Googles. Okay. I still don't get the nail varnish thing. Could put the judges off. I'm like, surely the judges are professional enough not to be put off by some lovely nails. Yeah, I think you're going too fast and doing too many somersaults these days to be seeing nail varnished. Okay, before we go, uh, let's do a little bit of the quiz. So this is our chase. It's our version of the chase. So basically, just normal rules apply. What I'll do is I'll read the question out. In effect, you can write it down or just keep the answer in your head. And then we'll see if Beth's answer matches Graham's answer. So total honesty from you guys, please. Okay, so question one. Beth won Dancing on Ice in 2013, but what celebrity won the show in the All-Stars version in 2014? Okay, is it A, David Seaman, B, Ray Quinn, or C, He's Googling, Georgie I can Porter. see him. He's looking elsewhere. I'm not, I'm saying, <laughs> I am literally keeping a note of my answer. Ray Quinn's just about to walk in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's here. Can I just Come in, he's, he's got a towel around him. Um, <laughs> Has he? <laughs> Again, what kind of podcast are we on here? Okay, so have we got an answer? 
yet. I haven't Googled it. I haven't. I put Ray Quinn. Is correct. Seen about right, 2014. It was Peak Quinn. Peak Quinn it was. Okay, question two. Uh, in the US, <laughs> um, what would you do with a Slurpee? Would you A, play with it, B, drink it, or C, apply it to a rash? What would you do with a Slurpee? I've got a feeling this is a trick question. Yeah, same. Okay, Beth, what's up? I'm going to say drink it, but I think you're going to have gone rogue here and found something really random. (laughs) Rogue fact. (laughs) I never go off topic. What are you talking about? Not Um, at all. Chaser? Apply it to a rash. Uh, The answer is you would drink a Slurpee, which means... Like a double bluff. Beth is not only good on the real chase, but she's good on our version as well on Summer Refresh. Well done, Beth. It's another accolade to add to your uh, any titles. (laughs) Beth, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, So if anyone wants to find out more about your company, if you want sort of to get involved, if you've got kids... Uh, in terms of just the recreational side of gymnastics, where's the best kind of place to go? Bethpedalgymnastics.co.uk and you can find out where all our venues are and all the age groups that they can join in. Thank and, you for um, having me. No, We've never met before. And... I know you know JC, but I was really excited about jumping on this call. I was, as I said, rang my dad before. I was like, I'm about to meet Beth Tweddle. And he went, she's a big name. I went, I oh, know. And was he watching the chase? Yeah, no, not at this particular point, no. It was nine o'clock in the morning. He's not that much of a fan. He's got a hundred pieces. you know, you have all these uh, challenge TVs that repeat all the old episodes. There you are. You could watch That's it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, like with the repeats of Blockbusters, they do at 10 a.m. I'll put it on, yeah. Oh, no, I'm a this morning man myself. Anyway, listen, let's have this conversation um, <laughs> off, off the podcast. Um, Beth, we wish you all the best and we will uh, we will speak to you again soon. Summer Refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. And like uh, Beth was saying, the uh, World Gymnastic Championships is going to be huge and it's in Liverpool 29th of October to the 6th of November. What a way to lead in to a world exclusive announcement, <laughs> um, which is with oh, Gemma no, Murner. don't. Uh, that means we have to, we've got to set off the alarm. Um, so the alarm's gone off. <laughs> My God. Um, we are speaking to Gemma Murner. So Gemma played Carmel McQueen in Hollyoaks, leaving in 2014. And she's gone on a bit of a different journey. Well, since she's left Hollyoaks, she's now a trained personal trainer. And she's gone on a mind and wellness journey. Um, when you say trained personal trainer, I always think that sounds like saying licensed restaurant. I'm like, any restaurant that doesn't have any form of license, I'm not particularly interested in eating it. But yeah, yeah, she is trained. She has got the qualifications. Well done. She can tell you how to lift things. I mean, I've she, only just started the gym, so I don't know what all these terms are. Lift, that'll burpee. do. Yeah, that'll do. Lift, yeah. There's yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah burpee, you know, like, that's not where you, someone picks you up and makes you burp. Win no. you. <laughs> or like when you used to get kegged when someone would pull your pants down. <laughs> she, yeah, Gemma Murner will keg you. So this is our chat. Uh, we, we have to apologise here. Uh, this Sorry, is our Gemma. chat with um, with Gemma Murner. And it is worth saying, in all seriousness, there is an exclusive announcement within this Don't chat. say that, Johnny. We've got... Oh. Uh, put the alarm on, put the alarm on. Right, turn the alarm off. Here she is. Refreshed. Um, now, we, um, do you want me to put the disclaimer here straight away for the fact that Graham's big drill might come out at any moment, oh, which sounds dodgy, um, <laughs> but he's got building work going on. Uh, well, the neighbours have, haven't they? I can't afford building work. Uh, no, the neighbours have got it. 
They have, yeah. There's builders there apparently to uh, till October, and they turn up like one random morning a week and just <laughs> drill for two solid hours. And they've started about an hour ago, so fingers crossed we'll be okay. Sorry, so in advance. touch wood. Obviously, with that professional intro, we are joined by Gemma Murner. Gemma, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to uh, to Summer Refreshed. Obviously, you know how professional we are. We're just going to talk a little bit about Gemma's past in terms of Hollyoaks and what she's been up to of a more recent term, which kind of sets up the exclusive announcement. So, Gemma, just going back a couple of years, obviously, on our notes, it does say you'll find Gemma more on a yoga mat now than a red carpet, um, mm. which sets up what you've done post-Hollyoaks. But just going back to when you were playing Carmel, how fondly do you, you know, do you look back on that time in Hollyoaks? Oh, it was amazing. Honestly, it was like the best time of my life. Can you imagine 22 joining one of the biggest soap, you know, in Britain? And, you know, Johnny, you know what it was like in Liverpool as well. It was like party, party, party back then as well. So it was just yeah, like, yeah. It, it was just like catapulted into a completely new life. It was amazing. And obviously I joined with a lot of new people as well who played my sisters. So. We were like a family, you know, it was like we were proper, the McQueen's were like a family because we all lived together. We all hung out together. We all just spent so much time together. So yeah, the eight years that I was there was just absolutely incredible. You all lived together. You you were all flatmates outside of work and that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So me and Jen lived together for a while and then I moved into a flat, which uh, one of the other co-stars lived in as well, Claire. So yeah, it was just like, we all just was... Together, I was with Leah actually the other day who played Tina and we were just saying like, I just don't know how we did it. We just used to work all week, but then go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and then back into work. So we were just like, it was just bonkers. We didn't even like spend a night on our own. We're like, do you want to go skate? Like, you know, it was that, it was like, <laughs> we're probably in university, but doing a job as well. You know, it was that kind of lifestyle that we lived at the time. Did you get on all the time? Because I used to, I used to live with my co-host for about yeah. two years, and it was in the beginning, it was absolutely brilliant. In the end, I did want to throttle her sometimes. I'm not going to lie, oh, yeah. and I, I love her now, and she knows this. Oh yeah, we've all had fallouts all throughout the time of being on the show. We would literally go on set and like be not speaking to each other, and then we'll be back friends again. And that, I love that. It was just like a proper roller coaster, yeah. like proper sisters. And we would have like, you know, slanging matches and then we'd be like, oh yeah, we're all right now. We're, we've, we've made up. It was, was like- it bitchy sometimes though? Like there's a few girls together. I wouldn't say we were bitchy. Um, we were just young girls. You know, you just don't take anybody else's opinion in it or, or life into consideration. It's all about you, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So if like someone had been yeah. late on set because they've been out the night before or whatever, you know what I mean? You'd be like- this is my scene, you know what I mean? It was a bit like that, but I think we were just like <laughs> proper sisters. It's weird when you look back now, we did treat each other like sisters. And um, I think that's where, you know yeah. what I mean? We had our ups and downs throughout it. So, um, but yeah, it's funny. Did anything like, obviously, would you live in together and hanging out together? And like you were saying, Jim, just kind of, almost being together 24-7, either in front of the camera or behind it. Did anything ever sort of make it where you go, do you know what, that would make a bad storyline. So what maybe happened in real life, did you ever give any of the writers a little bit of a nudge to say, when we were out on Friday, chuck this what happened over there, chuck that in next week. I think, yeah, I think the writers got a lot of ideas from us, to be honest, because as Hollyoaks, in, in that day anyway, we all used to go out like writers, you know, directors, producers, the cast, everyone was always together. 
So I do think they probably got some ideas from us. But I always have said it would have been more interesting if they did a reality of off camera than what they actually filmed on Hollywood. Mm, yeah. like, the actual behind the scenes would have been, honestly, it'd been classic. It would have been classic. There's no yeah. off switch now, is there really? Like, I suppose in that period you were in Hollyoaks, you could sort of shut your door and then that was it. But now people who are influencers and who are in that sort of position as well now are going on, they're putting the telly on in the evening and then they're going on their phone and there's just no escape from the attention, I guess. Is that, that must have a, that must have a huge effect on people's minds, mustn't it? Oh, completely. Like, I don't know actually how they do it because obviously I'm quite active on social not media. Me Love it, and you know, but I do have to like switch it off because at sometimes I'm just like, oh, I need to stop scrolling. I I go into the habit of going on to do something on my page or my business page, and then I end up scrolling. But for influencers, they've always got to. What's harder for them, I think, is they've got to create the content as well. Like back in the day, we'd be like, mm-hmm. right, you've got to shoot here in London. You've got to turn up. You had a photographer. You had you know a designer who what know what the shoot was like, and we just did the job. The same on being on the show. We got yeah. given a script. We had a director. We have a producer. We have a lighting team. We have a sound team. Where these content creators are incredible because they're coming up with the ideas. They're creating the content. And then they're putting it out as well. And I do think it, it's a lot of time and effort. And I, I think they're amazing to be able to do it all. It leaves them a bit exposed sometimes, doesn't it? I guess there would have been a lot of layers to get near to you, whereas some of these content creators are quite easy to exploit because they're just so open and they're doing everything and everyone can access them. Yeah, probably. I know what you're saying there. Because, yeah, I think um, it's just it was just so different from when we were in the show. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't... It, I yeah. think it was like that for anyone, wasn't it? Because I remember when I was young and I used to look up to, you know, soap stars like... Cherie Murphy, for instance, she's a friend of mine, but she was in Emmerdale. And I used to look up to her and go, oh my God, she's there. And you don't, or anyone in EastEnders, you know what I mean? You'd be like, because they lived in London, you didn't see yeah. them. You were like, so it's like where now the content creators, so you don't even know who they are. They might be walking past you in the street. And you know what I mean? Yeah. The younger generation know them a lot more. And like you said, it's like, you know, they are more touching, yeah. aren't they, from when it used to be. 10, 20 years ago. It's that thing of you're not really, like when we joined, you know what I mean? We were just kind of, like I said, loads of girls who joined as a family going out and stuff like that. You're not giving that guidance of how to look after yourself away from the show. So then you give the best performance and actually do the job to the best of your ability. And I think, you know, that's where I kind of moved into what I do now. I do think there's a big thing around performers of how they should look after themselves away from the job, which I don't think we're taught from, you know, going into it. So how did you make, how did you make the change to your current route? Because, you know, like a qualified personal trainer, life coach, uh, you do a lot of mindfulness stuff. What made you make that move from where you were to where you are now? So I think I came to a point with playing Carmel, you know, she was um, a comedy character. So full of fun them sort of characters have a shelf life they really do um and I think it was that it for me it was that point of do I stay or do I bite the bullet and make a change you know what I mean and and go out there and see what else there is I haven't just always done comedy I've done I'm quite a serious person I like like drama as well but um so I kind of made the decision I was going to leave and then my dad passed away really suddenly about 10 years ago and then I ended up staying probably another two years. 
further than I would have done because my dad passed away and it was just easy For the security. Yeah, it's just easy to say because yeah. I couldn't function. You know, when you go through grief, it's just... No, I get you, yeah. You're, I don't think you're taught how to go through grief. You don't understand it. I think we don't talk no. about death at all in uh, to children or in this country. So it for me, it was like I just hit a brick wall. So the easiest thing was for me to, to carry on with work um, and do what, what I did because I could play it with my eyes closed. I knew it inside and out and I knew what yeah. to do. But what it did was living in that life of, you know, 70 hours a week, constantly going to, you know, on the red carpet, photo shoots. I didn't realize I was living in my fight or flight so much in my adrenaline, my cortisol. And it got to a point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like I need to go and grieve properly and kind of find out who I am because I'm not from this thing that's happened in my life I'm not that Gemma anymore and I'm, I didn't even know who Gemma was mm-hmm. because she just played this character for so long you know it was like I was just playing Carmel every day so yeah I um I came away from the show and the place where I felt the safest to kind of go through grief and just to maybe have a cry was on my yoga mat and going to yoga classes so I went on to do my yoga teacher training and it was amazing it was like I felt like I was this was the place I need to be. And then I noticed that the more I started to look after myself and do this type of practice, yoga, meditation, movement, I started to feel better and then to understand my brain. So understand that I was in my fight or flight. I was suffering from heightened anxiety where when I was in the show, I was just like having panic attacks and everything. But I didn't understand it then. But when I started to do the work, I started yeah. to understand And I always say now, because I've set up a business called Mind and Wellness, it's to have all this to make you feel better. But also I try and educate people on what is going on with your mind, with your fight or flight, your your actual brain, how when we meditate, we change the shape of the brain and we take ourselves out of our fight or flight and we, you know, we protect our nervous system. So that's kind of, it's just, I just kept educating myself and going, God, if I'd have been taught this when I was younger, I would have known what was going on. Like instead of, you know, being in my fight or flight or being anxious, I would have gone, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I need to do to help me. And then I can live my normal life in a way. But yeah, it was, um, it was a big roller coaster, but I've learned a lot. How did you deal with it? So you deal with all of that sort of stuff and I like anxiety through yoga. But how did you deal with it when you were younger? Say when you entered Hollyoaks, when you were like, you said you were 22. Yeah. How would you have dealt with it then? Because you mentioned you went out quite a bit. Was it kind of that kind of way? I, I don't know. I just didn't even know I was suffering from anxiety. I was a very hyped up person. I was a very, and you can imagine in the acting world and performing arts world, it's like you have to push yourself to the front. You have to be the best. You have to be competitive. Yeah, I get that. I always felt that it wasn't really, it didn't sit well with me. But when you've been taught in that industry and you've gone to drama school when you've been a kid and then into teenage, like, no, this is the way you've got to be to get a job. You have to push yourself to the front. You have to be driven. You have to literally be better than the next person. You're, you're kind of taught to be something. And some people are like that and that's fine. But for me, it was like, it just yeah. didn't sit with the person who I am. Like if I go for an audition now, because I still A lot of people say this, don't they? Yeah, I just go, oh, good luck to the person next to me. And they like, look at me like, and I'm like, well, if yeah. I'm not right for the character, I'd rather you get it. Like one of my best mates, I'd rather you get yeah. it. If I'm not 
right. I'm not right for it, you know, but you're not taught really how to kind of be true to yourself. I don't think in that industry. Was it quite a hard journey, Jen, when you're, you know, when you were saying you were going through stuff and realizing the anxiety and almost kind of pausing the grief process? Was it quite a hard journey as you begin to learn throughout the sort of mind and wellness journey, which now obviously is the, you know, established business, but when you're learning that on a sort of one-to-one basis, I imagine that was quite tough at times. Totally tough. It's like rebuilding yourself, but as this new version. But I think it's the version that I've always meant to be. I feel like now I'm like the truest Gemma I was. And I think I'm more how I would have been, well, how I was as a child more now. But I think you just layer these things, don't you? fit in so like you know I'd mm-hmm. go out I, to be honest I love getting in my pajamas and watching a box set and sit with my dogs but I'd go out to fit in mm-hmm. and you know you know what I mean I'd get dressed up I put loads of makeup on to fit in and I felt like that with Carmel like I just I created this character and it was incredible but it wasn't me no more it was like this version of me that I had created so yeah um yeah, it's been, I have to say, yeah, it's been a, a tough journey, but I always think what I've learned along the way, I can help others out. And the more I talk about it and the more I talk to my my members, because I have a membership in my community, the more I realize there is so many people that are going through anxiety every single day or depression or stress. And people are still not talking about it as much as what we could be. When I was going through a really, really tough time on the show, if someone had gone, oh yeah, I understand what you're saying. I've had that. I would have been like, oh, okay, I'm all right. But people in that world are very perfect. Oh no, no, I'm fine. I'm Mm. fine. I'm great. You know what I mean? And they might. It sounds a bit toxic if I'm honest with you. It sounds, you don't have to say if it was or it wasn't, but it sounds like at times the pressure and the, the environment made it a little bit toxic. And, you know, I've worked in workplaces that are like that, that are image focused and they can become like that, can't they? I feel like if you hadn't felt like you were suffering from stress and anxiety in that environment, there might have actually been something wrong with you. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know if it's maybe the environment. I don't know if it was just maybe the pressure I put on myself. Do you know what I mean? I think maybe when course, I was yeah. younger. I think it might be both think- sometimes. Yeah, I think sometimes when I was younger, I think I had this envision because I always wanted to be on Hollyoaks. Like that was on my vision, but it was mm-hmm. basically in my head. And like, I never realized that I visualized a lot of things that I have in my life or have done in my life. I've actually visualized it and made it happen. But I think I'd put the pressure on myself where when I go on a red carpet, I have to look absolutely perfect. Do you know what I mean? And I remember once yeah. I fainted before going on a red carpet in the lift because I got myself so worked up. Why? Because Why? I was so worked up about getting on this red carpet and I'd fainted. I didn't realise what it was. Where now I look back and go, oh, it was because I was worried about how, you know, how to be on the red carpet, how to talk on the red carpet, how if I look perfect. Because we have this, yeah. a lot of women, men, everyone has it, don't they? We have this perfectionism. Yeah. But no one's perfect. None of us are. And then once we take that label away from ourselves, it's like we can breathe where we go, yeah, we're not perfect. You know, we're just human beings and we're learning. You sort of roughly focused on it there a little bit to say acting is still quite important and, and sort of what you've learned post Hollyoaks. Yeah. But you're still actively involved in more so a little bit more recently towards sort of the, the start of this year, back end of last year. But uh, is Brassic the next project for you in regards to when you're sort of in front of the camera again? 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I filmed Brassic at the beginning of this year and I think it, it launches in this month. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, I did, I have done a few little bits, but this is kind of reintroducing myself into something probably with all the tools. I'm very equipped for the industry now. This yeah. is what I was going to say. Yeah, all what you've learned since that sort of post Hollyoaks era from around 2014 onwards. Do you feel like it's not only makes you a better actor, but it's making you a better person? And if you notice someone is suffering, maybe with little signs of what you go, oh, that rings a bell yeah. going back a couple of years. Yeah. You're in that position where you can go, do you know what, you're right? You know, just try and coax a little bit of something out of them to maybe get a further story down the line if they feel comfortable. So guess all what you've learned helps not just you, but other people as well. Yeah, because you all you need to do is open up a conversation and I think if we open up a conversation with no judgment, with empathy, with compassion, I think we can start to talk and that's all we need to do. And I actually created a program called Coaching for Performers. And as I'm a life coach now, I feel that industry, there is such a market, probably market's the wrong word to use, but there's such an opening to have coaches around performers of how to, to do the job, how to look after yourself around the job. Just have that. You know what it's like. You're the same, guys. You know what I mean? On radio, you've got to be on. All the time, you've got to be on. But, you know, when you're away from it, what do you do for your self-care? Like, do you meditate? Do you breathe? Absolutely. Do you do yoga? Do you go out for a walk? Read a book? Do you spend time with your animals? It's all these things to then make you better at your job when you step back on the stage or the radio or the TV. And I'm really, really passionate about bringing this into the industry. So yeah, that's something I'm working on at the moment. We've had uh, a guy, he was on episode two, Erin Simmons, a comedian, been on the fringe this year. Um, he's just really bubbling up. I went to see him post interview on here and his show is called Hot Wheels. He's got cerebral palsy. He's kind of not letting any kind of disability define him. And he's, he, he did one hour and it was absolutely brilliant. It was a really, really good show talking about being disabled and the battles he's faced and what he's done to get over that physically and mentally. But his dad's a life coach and there was material around his dad being a life coach, again, along that performer element of actually not just giving him the sort of, you know, the helping hand and the confidence that any mum, dad, anyone close to you who you trust would, but actually sort of giving him the tools from an actual coach point of view yeah. to make him better on stage. So there's definitely there's definitely a lot there. And I wouldn't have known. I don't think that would have made it into a comedy show going back 10 years. It just wouldn't have been discussed. Well, honestly, when I became a life coach and had coaches myself, it has been absolutely life-changing for me. Like, life-changing because... You've just got someone to bounce these ideas off. You've got that that knowledge of somebody else making you step outside your comfort zone and taking those steps that you might never take yourself. I have to say coaching has been the best thing for me. I just think, I think it's amazing. In terms of a coach, a life coach, what's the sort of thing that you would say to like the average person who'd turn up and say, I just want to get better in my life? What would you do? Well, what we do, we completely sit down, we open the space and that space is with life coaching. Like say if I was coaching yourself, you have all the answers already in you. It's about me opening the space for you to bounce those ideas off, to navigate. And what we do originally, we sit down, we look at eight areas of your life 
And then we kind of break that down then into another one to two areas and maybe outcomes that you want over the next six months. And it's about taking small steps that you can do each week, every time we see each other, that you feel unmanageable. And those small steps get you to those outcomes instead of sometimes we're in our heads so much that we go, I want to do this. I just don't know how to get there. So I'll just give up. With a life coach, it's about moving forward. It's about putting the strategy in place to make that outcome happen. That's the difference. With So it's like making a game plan, is it? Like you're sitting there with someone making a bit of a, right, you want to get from there to there. Well, how about this, this and this? Yeah. But I, I would never tell you what to do. It's all you. It's all you, but with yeah. kind of guidance. Just that space is unbelievable when we open that space up. Like I said, that conversation, what comes out, what can come out in like an hour to a two hour call. Once you do one thing and you go, oh, I've done that, you do something else. And it's mm-hmm. about feeling good all the time and keeping yourself in that really good, happy place. So that's the difference because therapy is about looking back. Coaching is about moving forward. Yeah. And uh, I guess that brings us on to uh, to the next thing. So courtesy of our friends at Smartwater, this is where we go exclusive announcement. I'm doing that because I imagine Graham will probably make his own. What's this? There it well, is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so exclusive announcement for Gemma to turn around. And during a five-part series, you'll be sharing just some of the skills of what you've learned, either from a personal point of view or from the professional point of view. Um, Jem, what's, uh, what's on your slate for um, in the autumn, shall we say? What's, what's coming up? Oh, so we are launching a Mind and Wellness podcast. Very excited! So yeah, everything... Yes, well done, well done. So yeah, everything we've spoke about <laughs> and everything I've learned over the years, like tackling those subjects, getting guests on and looking what maybe stress does to your life you know, what coaching is, everything like that. But remember, I can't tell you too much. Yeah. I can only like, you know, tell you. Don't say too much. No. Yeah, everything. Yeah, the, uh, your boss might have a little bit of a word to say <laughs> if you give it all away now. <laughs> so everything to do with your yeah. mind and is your that- wellness as, a, as an individual. So I think it'll be a really interesting podcast. I hate to use this phrase sort of hot topic because I think, you know, things have been a hot topic. They just might have not been discussed openly in the past. So I think it's always a bit of a strange one to say. But I know and I know from our conversations, you know, outside of when we're not recording the podcast, there's going to be an episode on sort of fitness and nutrition. Now, I have recently started, I've joined a gym since I've moved to Edinburgh. I do um, just once a week. It's building up to two sessions now and I'm only probably the best part of about eight weeks in but I do a boot camp every Saturday. And somebody said, well, two people have kind of said, you're actually looking a bit better. You feel a bit better. You're looking a bit leaner, which is just lovely to hear. Despite whatever you think, you go, okay, hard work is paying off. Someone was saying last week in the boot camp, you'll never regret exercise. You'll regret maybe having the Chinese meal the night before and maybe having that extra portion of chips that you shouldn't have done or you've gone out and had a few too many drinks on a Thursday or Friday after work, but no one has ever gone away and regretted doing 60 minutes of exercise. You might moan for 58 minutes of the 60, and believe you me, I moan for about 70 minutes of the 60. (laughs) Mine starts before and just slightly after it's uh, over. But 
It's, <laughs> I love it. I come back feeling great. I am up. I'm ready for it. I'm up early to have my breakfast. So I'm, I'm sorted. And that's only eight weeks in of basically doing one hour. I'm up in it to do two hours a week. And I've joined another gym as well, which I can do some swimming in, which I quite like the de-stress after work. It's knowledge that you, you sort of might not necessarily know, but even if you, you don't have to be joining a gym, you don't have to be paying to go for a swim. You could just run around the block. But to know that knowledge of what actually that can do for you, I don't think about anything else when I'm exercising. And I think that's just an achievement in itself. I, I totally agree. And that's just what I try and pass on to my clients, to my members, because we have a platform with yoga, meditation, sound healing, everything on our platform that you can do at home. And it's the same thing. It's like, you never regret moving your body, you know, getting out. That's why I always say everyone try your best to get out every single day for a walk because you don't ever regret that. Your nutrition, what you put in your body, how you move your body. It is that time away from our screens, as we mentioned there, like how we're so on now, aren't we, with social media. Just that hour away really helps our mental health. So I think it's really important you know, to kind of show people how amazing it is and make it a daily habit. Like if we make it a habit, like what you were saying then, Johnny, it's like you've started to do it, then you're increasing it because you feel good and then you might go for a swim. If it starts being a habit, it becomes a way of life and then we start feeling amazing in ourselves and don't we want to be living the best life we possibly can be? Like that's why we're here. We're not here that long, are we? So why are we not like looking after our body? You know, food is our medicine. And movement is the medicine for the body as well. And then this is why I'm so passionate for the medicine as well for your mind with your breathing, your meditation. It's the, I call my membership, the gym membership for your mind. We strengthen our mind up. It's going to be a really interesting podcast. Like you say, it's due for release in autumn. We know it's going to be a five-part series covering loads of bases. In all fairness, probably can't cover quite a lot in only five episodes, but let's hope obviously that goes well for you, Gem, and it'll expand. Yeah further down the line because there's some subject matter left right and center you know which will come out and this is the thing when you start talking all of a sudden loads of things come out and i think that's going to be really interesting so that'll be the mind and wellness podcast it's worth saying just at that point i want to find out a little bit more it's mind and wellness uk on instagram and for your website Gemma, isn't it everything's on there and also people can reach out to me you know at Gemma Myrna as well you know DM me reach out to me I'm always open and if anyone does need any help or just someone to chat to I'm always here do you know what I mean that's what we that's why I have the community that I have is I'm here to help people as much as possible that is just my mission in life is help and open a conversation up it's going to be amazing. I imagine also as well, it's extremely satisfying, isn't it? Because I feel like sometimes when, I mean, we've been blessed with the fact that we can do a magazine podcast and Graham and I've made many Don't anything. Jokes. That'll do. It's fine. It's just a magazine <laughs> podcast. Do whatever you want. You train to be an astronaut. Let me know how you get on. But anything sort of goes. But we've had some really interesting conversations. We've had relationship experts on. We've chatted to comedians who have had their own sort of struggles a little bit. It's crazy. It's just lovely to come back and speak to people and find out stories. And it's really interesting when you listen to people, no matter what they are, comedians, relationship experts, someone who owns a growing business, what was going from strength to strength in lockdown, the stories what come out will either make you think, laugh, or give you that food for thought 
post interview when you then go and tell other people about it. And all that comes from sharing stories and sitting down and just really opening up. And you can open up with people who you might have never talked to before. And all of a sudden, you're having 45 minutes of conversation that you never thought was maybe possible. And I think that's... Um, Do you know what's been really you know, common that, amongst thing. them all? A lot of everyone we spoke to pretty much, even if we spoke to comedians, whatever, those lads that own it Looks Collective and that, the commonality was going for like a walk or doing a bit of exercise and switching off every one of them that was successful or got somewhere with something had done that, had tried to incorporate that on in the schedule. And I mean, everyone said that. I try and switch yeah. off, try and leave my phone to one side. And yeah. like, I don't think anyone would disagree with it, would they really? Totally. It is so good to do that, you know, detox, even if it is just 20 minutes a day. Um, and I always say when I go and move, like I ran the marathon last year. And when I was training for that throughout lockdown, I just have my earphones in and I'd be listening to like an audible or, or sometimes I'd just run with nothing. And the best ideas came to me. So I know as like with what I do now, all my kind of programs I create, I create them myself. I know I've got to go out and do some movement for those ideas to come into my mind. So I know now that that's what I've got to do. Where when we got taught like in school and that, you sit at a desk, you have your pen and pencil and you've just got to write everything down where I know when I'm sat and I'm stagnant, I don't, I don't get creative. So it's that thing of moving your body gets your brain going and your creativeness. And I think that's why people are successful, like the people you've had on, because they've got these like daily habits that give them their space and their time so then they can come back to work and attack it with a clear head. Well, it's going to be really interesting, Gem. So that'll be the Mind and Wellness podcast. I feel our podcast just plugs everyone else's podcast. That's all we're Well, that's what magazines do. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, that's true. Um, Well, Gemma, we wish you all the best with the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Gemma Myrna, for your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Summer Refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. Oh, there she is. There she is. With another exclusive. Oh, God. Oh, please stop oh saying, if every time we Sorry. say that word, exclusive, um, oh. Oh, sorry, here he is, here he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was interesting. There was a, a a new bit of information there, wasn't there? And I look forward to that new thing dropping. Uh, yes, so that new thing is Gemma Myrna's podcast. We think it's going to be, well, we've sort of been told it's the awesome time. So she, like you say, she couldn't really say too much, but I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. And she's gone on one of those journeys. Keep an eye on that. Is that uh, one to another- put on and try out, like, do, do the moves with her? Is it, is it yoga and wellness or just wellness? What is it? She's using some yoga Mind well? and wellness. So, oh, yeah, no I yoga. think... The- there will be a yoga moment in there, I think, though. Just a yeah. down dog each episode, everyone has to uh, Yeah, just a little, little bit of a calm, a little bit of a meditation the sort of zone. pipes out. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to that. It should be good, that. Be fantastic. It was great to chat with her. And it's uh, worth saying thanks to Gemma for choosing us to let, let us know about her exciting announcement. And from one extreme to the other, because on our next episode, which will be our final episode... Oh, out, Johnny, don't say that. I know it's done. It's Summer, well, summer's almost over, and oh, um, there's not much to refresh anymore because we are heading into um, the autumn and the winter, which is horrible oh, to say. It's not that as well. No. This time round, I have this special. I don't want to depress everyone, but I've got this special dread of this winter because everyone knows everything's going to cost a fortune. We know that much. Yeah. But I've had. I mean, no, that's one thing. Um, but I've had such a good summer doing this. It's been amazing being the fringe. 
The fact that the start of us talking is what my summer's been like. I'm not trying to show off. I had rubbish ones recently. I went to New York at the start of it. Then I went to Glastonbury. Yeah. Then I went to Ibiza for two weeks. Then I went to the Edinburgh Fringe. And what have I got to look forward to this winter? Just a big gas bill. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. And it's our first winter living in Edinburgh. Oh, it's not warm in the winter. Yeah, it's always a bit grey, but it's going to be dark. But with that, one thing, what can you always keep warm? A nice beer around an open fire in a pub. Oh, you can, you can. And Edinburgh so, is perfect for that, of course. And you've got Hogmanay and all of that sort of stuff coming up. So yeah. If you think exciting. the fringe is good, Hogmanay is just the fringe, but condensed into about three days, not <laughs> four weeks. <laughs> so um, let's not totally, you know, bring uh, the rule down. the summer off We're not just done yet. yet. Yeah, that's true. We're not done yet. There's still a couple of weeks of officially the summer. So uh, yes, yeah, so we're in our next episode. And I was saying there with Gemma from one extreme to the other, because uh, we're going to talk about the Edinburgh Cocktail Week. I'm on the blag. Oh, uh, that's oh God, don't. Johnny has got something for free, has he? Johnny has got something for free. Oh, there Actually, is. I kind of want something Here's for free, jingle. but I kind of want money from it as well. Right. So Johnny has mm. got... I've got a gas bill to pay. Oh, this is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to say. But Edinburgh Cocktail Week uh, is here in October. So we've got Gary and Georgia, uh, who... Gary's the founder... And Georgia is uh, is high up within this festival, which is back, which is going to be fantastic. And that is an absolute brilliant event, being in Edinburgh for a little bit. And it's back for this year. So we've got those guys chatting to us about the Edinburgh Cocktail Week. And um, so just excited to kind of... about the other thing. And not that I'm not excited oh. about that, but that's more exciting for you than me because you get to do the free stuff. Um, I'm yeah, very excited to... about the guy that's uh, that we're going to be chatting to. It's yeah. unusual. It's unusual. It's it is unusual. So this is unusual things, which is a guy called Paul Allen's. Now, Paul basically goes round celebrity graves. So he's kind of like a celebrity grave hunter. He visits all kinds of graves. It's very tastefully done. I think it's worth putting that out there right now. It is very tastefully done, but he has been to Buster Merrifield, who was in Only Fools and Horses, George Michael. So, well, oh God, George, he's been to George. I, I mm. would go on a pilgrimage to George Michael's grave. I would. It's Mike Reed, who is in EastEnders. God. Rod Hull. Harry Corbett. <laughs> Rod um, Hull. I don't, sorry, God rest his soul. And I, I remember when, am I getting it right? Rod Hull had the, he used to have the emu. He had emu, yeah. And he lived in a lighthouse yeah. in TV in the early 90s. Right. All right. So Rod Hull died in, 19, tell me if I'm right. You look like you know what the answer is. Here. I know exactly what you're going to say here. Rod Hull died in 1998 or 1999. I remember because mm-hmm. he was putting up an aerial on his house, wasn't he? And he fell. Because yeah, he was he's... trying to watch Channel 5 for some football final. And obviously back in 1998, Channel 5 reception was mercifully patchy. And um, <laughs> and, and he just, I'm not laughing because it's not funny falling off you. I'm laughing at the, the Channel 5 comment. <laughs> you get it everywhere now, I'm fuming. <laughs> um, but yeah, he fell off his he fell off his ladder. He fell off the roof, yeah. He fell off Bless the roof, him, didn't so he? Yeah, checking out so... that grave. Something yeah. to look forward to. Next time. And now the landline rings. How weird. My landline never rings. Right, um, let me oh, just... Hey. Oh, Go on, answer it. Answer it. it. Oh. <laughs> it's not a ghost, is it? Sorry? <laughs> Bye. Oh, oh, this is strange. Oh, no, don't. Oh, don't, honestly. Yeah, it's Roddle. <laughs> Roddle. <laughs> Checking on his telly. It was evening. <laughs> <laughs> This is the second time we've ended on a weird note. We like haven't this. crossed the line into being offensive yet. I said, God, no. God, God, God love Rod, Rod Hull. And to be fair, 
1998 <laughs> was a long time ago. It was 25 years ago. Yeah. You know what? I, I was saying to my other half the other night, I know we're trying to wrap up the podcast, sorry. I was saying to Steve <laughs> the other night, I was like, you might not be another episode after this, <laughs> carry on. I said, do you know, we've got on the next episode, we've got a celebrity grave hunter on. <laughs> and he looked at what me. What was the if, reaction? He like, like this half concerned. And I was like, <laughs> it's my, I think but, it's my favourite guest in advance. Half concerned? Half intrigued. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. I cannot wait yeah. for this next time. So there we go. Well, look, at least we've kind of got it out of our system a little bit now, ahead of speaking to Paul. The uh, these, uh, all the beat. No more beat. No more yes. beat. Well. Um, <laughs> leave it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we will see you for the last episode of Summer Refresh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's the last one, but hopefully we're not being cancelled. And uh, yes, uh, that will be out in two weeks. And of course, for anything you've missed, you can get all the links to anything via our socials from previous episodes to some of the content we've featured with the guests. And that is at Refreshing Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. All being well, see you in two weeks. Your summer refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. It's back to our MBE. Love to be an MBE, you know. Oh, we'll, we'll sort it out for you. Oh, thank you. you. Put a word in for me. Yeah, you know, this podcast absolutely amazing. When you say trained personal trainer, I always think that sounds like saying licensed restaurants. There's nothing.